this just in. Hello and welcome to 250, your weekly podcast looking at IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. I'm Darren. I'm Andrew. I'm Graham. And this week we're taking a look at a new entry on the 250, um, David Lich's Deadpool. Uh, Deadpool 2, which has entered the list um, at number 206, jumped up to 180, and is now dropping slightly slowly down to 183. So it's it's a sequel to, obviously, Deadpool, which was released in 2016, shortly before myself and Andrew started recording releasing these podcasts. That movie also entered the list and gradually dropped out, I think, about three months later. So it's, it's a return of sorts for Deadpool to the list. It is the first new entry uh, since Infinity War, which entered two weeks ago, and kicks off the summer season, sort of proving that unless you're Black Panther, if you have a superhero movie, you're pretty much guaranteed to make the list. Um, but yeah, so guys, what do we make of, of Deadpool 2? Um, I, you, 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 you go first, Ashley. Right? Um, I, this probably I, means more to you. It doesn't really. I'm a fan of the character. I know the character. I loved the film, the first one, Deadpool. Um, but I liked this one. as, And I say that strenuously. Interesting. Yes. Yes, I was... I'm as surprised as you are, Darren. I, I'm not surprised. Andrew was the one who loaded the question there. But yeah, <laughs> I, I... It's an interesting film. It had a very... Well, I suppose out of the three of us, I'm, I'm the one who ha- has... Per, perhaps read the least um, comic books. The most to gain from this film. Yeah. Uh, in a sort of enriching zen, exactly. sort of your life sort of way. But yeah, I mean, I uh, it's, it's an interesting movie. It had a very long um, sort of development cycle, two years, um, despite the fact that they obviously wanted to make a sequel right away. It, the first movie was one of the first R-rated superhero movies, along with, say, Watchmen, to pick one example, the Blade movies from the 1990s. But by mm. and large, since the 1990s, superhero movies have been treated as a sort of a PG-13 game, with the aim of, of attracting as broad an audience as possible. What the original Deadpool did back in 2016 was it came up with the idea that if you make an R-rated superhero film you can draw a strong enough audience I mean in this movie Deadpool looks at the camera and jokes about how he made almost as much as the Passion of the Christ domestically and even more overseas where they don't have religion but the the argument is that this the, the original Deadpool was sort of like a trendsetter it kind of pushed the boundaries of what was possible. In the movie, early on in the movie, he gives a name check to Logan, which was a movie that we Mm, covered last year. Yeah, but Logan was another R-rated superhero film that seemed to understand and to capitalize on the strength of Deadpool. There is an argument that New Mutants, which is coming out next year, possibly from Fox. Possibly October. It's been pushed back again and again and again, Mm. but that that is going to be a horror movie that will be sort of R-rated as well within the superhero genre. So it's interesting to sort of have Deadpool exist as an R-rated sort of big screen comic book character. Well, I don't know. I, 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 I hope the studios don't learn the wrong sort of lessons from from Deadpool. It's like, oh, the kids really like a, an R-rated superhero movie, so let's give them that. Um, I think what Deadpool did is they did some, uh, it, it did something a little different. And I think Wolverine is, is similar. And though they're both R-rated movies... Um, they're quite different to each other, and they're mm. also quite different to to um, other superhero movies in interesting ways. And the like the the stuff that people who are familiar with Deadpool will enjoy, like the breaking of the fort wall and the 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 the, the kind of um, humor of it. So if you were just to kind of do 
maybe X-Men movies and m- make them make them more rated. Um, I think they would, they would, they would, I, 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 I think you would be taking the wrong lessons um, from this. Yeah, well, I think this is kind of interesting because this is worth sort of talking about, particularly in the context of the recent merger of, of Fox and Disney or the attempted uh, purchase of Fox by Disney. Again, apparently today, as we're recording this, Universal made a, and I love that this is described this way, a $60 billion cash-only offer for Fox, which makes it imply like Universal basically loaded dump trucks yeah. full of stacks of non-sequential bills. It's the ricery. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, the, the basically the idea that Fox is going to be purchased by Disney is going to end up as a subsidiary. Um, one of the interesting things about Fox as far as like producing superhero movies have gone because superhero movies are basically the default blockbuster of the 21st century. Yeah, but, Star Wars can't even... It's taken it it over from disaster movies in the 90s. The yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and and that's that's grand, but it does it is sort of interesting to contrast how the different studios are approaching that material, and it's kind of interesting because you have obviously the MCU, the the Marvel universe, doing their big broad kind of welcome everybody's like consistent, coherent universe under a, a consistent creative direction. Fig, yeah, yeah that's yeah. it exactly. It's basically like he is the auteur of the Marvel universe, such mm. as one exists. He's the showrunner, basically, of that. And everything's very tightly controlled and tightly regulated. And I think as we were talking about on Infinity War, in most cases, you know what you're going to get from a from a standard Marvel Studios movie. There's the situation at DC, which is a mess, and nobody's any idea what's going on there at the moment. Yeah, yeah I, um, I think there, there's more of a kind of coherent um, vision in the... Um, this is not speaking from a point of expertise. This is me mm-hmm. listening to kind of like other... Um, people talk about this I, I think the the cw kind of run a lot of the dc shows yeah yeah so the likes of the the arrow and um, flash flash Super legends of tomorrow that even, sort of thing uh, black, black lightning, lightning now, yeah. and that they they again have a kind of a consistent uh showrunner someone who's 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 worked um in television who's who's kind of like not not at the helm, but like I suppose, well, yeah. I suppose it would be Greg Berlanti. Greg yeah, Berlanti has yes. got pretty much his fingers in every pie of the cinematic of the CW universe. Sure, they haven't. They literally have their CW annual, which is every season across every series. They have a big crossover yeah. with all the series, and yeah. each year it gets bigger and bolder. Well, that's because you keep adding new series to yeah. it. But what's interesting about Fox um, is that Fox. Fox's approach to their cinematic properties, which they bought from Marvel in the fire sale in the late 90s when the company was bankrupt. And they basically went in and they picked out what they were going to have. They picked out their per- their particular favourites. Sony got there and got Spider-Man first and turned down the option of actually buying Marvel. I like, which I they... like the thought of them selling comic books in their fire sale. <laughs> and then and someone comes in and it's like, how much for your rights? <laughs> it's like, what? Uh, well, yeah. No, we're not familiar with these concepts. Yeah. Um, we don't ever acknowledge creators' rights in, in mainstream comic books at Marvel. But no, I mean, there there is this argument that... Um, basically, so Fox got in, they bought... They bought, obviously, X-Men. They bought a bunch of other stuff as well. So they bought, mm. obviously, Ghost Rider. Um, no, was Ghost Rider Sony or that? Uh, oh, he's so... But they, they bought, yeah, they they bought, bought Daredevil. obviously, Daredevil and Elektra as well. And Fantastic Four. And the Fantastic Never Four. Never forget them. And basically, no real idea what they were doing nope. with, with any of them. And they sort of did their own little thing. So you have the Fantastic Four movies, mm. which were obviously the ones starring Ian Griffith, who I apologize for mangling his name mm. in the yeah. obligatory he, 250 I pronunciation. He said, he said, like, there, there's no need for me to change 
uh, my name because people people learn people learned how to say Schwarzenegger, <laughs> and, uh, and and then like I suppose. 15 yeah. years later, He's waiting we still for don't know, uh, Johan Grufford. Johan Grufford. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. I need yeah to we're going to say that, but like, we can't say it with any authority, I'm sorry. No, we can't. But, um, so that, and then they had the X-Men movies with obviously Patrick Stewart and Hugh Jackman, but they never, Fox never really quite managed to impose a consistent house style in the same way that, say, Marvel did. Maybe the first two. The first two X Men. Yeah, yeah. the first two. Well, I mean, those are and, sequels. And, and, even, uh, people, people really, I, I think, love the second one. Yeah, but, people adore the second yeah. one. Yeah, but I mean, and, and after that, you just get this sort of weird branching effect where you know you have like a big mess of stuff where it's like, do these characters exist? Is there continuity? And that's actually what I really like about the Fox output in terms of the superhero movies that Fox make with the product, with the characters, the intellectual property that they own is that they're a lot less, their hand is a lot less direct and a lot less sort of clumsy, and not a lot clumsy, but a lot less sort of controlling than you would associate with Marvel. So, for example, you have, like, Fox movies that are entirely different in tone and style to one another, and which can't really be reconciled in terms of how they fit together story-wise. So, how do the X-Men prequels actually fit with the original X-Men movies? How does X-Men Origins Wolverine fit with Wade anything? Wilson. Yeah. With, with Deadpool. With Deadpool, where they actually sewed his mouth yeah. shut and gave him um, prosthetic arm blades that are somehow longer than the elbow. Katana. Yeah. I, always, I always find it weird in the sense that um, you, you say they're less controlling and they're less like concise I think they had an idea at one point because if we, if we all remember we might have forgotten there was a couple of years ago a couple uh, San Diego Comic Cons ago all the all the cinematic universes got together and sat down all their cast to line them up so you had Marvel sitting down all their cast that they had up to that point they had DC had you know up all their cast members so they had ba- you know the Batman ca- Batman v Superman cast and they had um, Suicide Squad uh, so that was as much as they had and then of course they had Fox which had all the X-Men but then they had in one part of that group shot they had the Fantastic 4 who at the time were Miles Teller uh, oh, Michael Kate B. Mara, Jordan, yeah. Kate, Kate Mara, Mara and yeah. Jamie Bell. Yes. So they, I, I guarantee you, if that film had worked, I guarantee you we would have had a shared universe. But, I think that was their plan, but it's it, just failure has forced their hand. But it would have been a complete mess up. So for example, right, let's, let's just pick an example here. Like you have with Fox, you have for X-Men 3, mm. where Professor X is evaporated and turned into a ghost. Mm. You have, then that's one ending to his story. Then you have Days of Future Past, where he goes to the future and he's got a wonderful school full of happy children. And that's another end to Professor X's story as played by Patrick Stewart. Then you have Logan, where yeah. it turns out that further in the future. Ab- absolutely everybody in the school has been dead and massacred and that's but also that's like, his future that's like 20 years but, or something in the future but none of these endings fit together and that's and it not doesn't, an issue it doesn't, doesn't matter. fit with this movie either because yeah. then, like, then we because today we, is set in the present day and yeah it's also we see illusion. we see westchester we see some of the characters yeah and uh, I, I suppose not not, uh, we, not to get we, too specific we, we no. won't, won't, won't get too specific but again like <laughs> there's this sense of like discontinuity and discord between them and i really like that about the fox movies because you never know what you're going to get when you go to a Fox superhero movie. You could end up with something that is yeah. as awful. Like, Marvel has never produced anything as terrible as X-Men Origins Wolverine. I'd be hard-pushed to say they produced anything as bad as, say, the third X-Men movie. On the other hand, I don't think they were ever... Apocalypse? They, 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 I saw that. That's still that okay. Terrible. I... That's okay. That's still better than X-Men 3. Yeah, I, I, I... That's a separate discussion. I thought that was grand. Yeah. But, um... Yeah. yeah. 
It was it was them doing their big Avengers thing where it was just a spectacle that means absolutely nothing. No. Um, but I mean, the, the... They ruined Apocalypse. But not to get too sidetracked here, but the issue is that at the same time, while you'll never have anything as bad as the X-Men Origins yeah. or X-Men 3 in the Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe, you'll never have anything as good as the second X-Men no. movie or as First Class or even as Logan, uh, to pick an yeah. example. And while I don't think that Deadpool and Deadpool 2 are sort of in that same league... Mm. I think they are distinct and they are interesting and they're a novel way of approaching. Because if the superhero movie is the default blockbuster of the 21st century, if it's the Western, as like Steven Spielberg has described it, what you need is you need tonal variants. You need to be able to yeah. do new things. You need to be able to tell new stories. And I think not even tell new stories, but tell them in new ways. Yeah. Because I think the Deadpool movies are very simple stories, but they're told in ways that I think are playful. And, and, and no one wants James Cameron to be right. You know, no one wants, no one wants them all to go away. I think James Cameron wants James Cameron to be right. <laughs> well, they will, they will, they will play out, but they also come back. Yeah, yeah, like so, the westerns, much like yeah. we have, like even at the moment, Hostiles, but recently, like True Grit, Hateful Eight, uh, Django Westworld, Unchained. Would you which, count Westworld? Yeah, Westworld, for example. Yeah, okay. Like you will have sort of that sort of style. But I feel like I've sort of rambled on enough here, Andrew. <laughs> what did you make of Deadpool and Deadpool Two? What, what's your as the layman? What is your sort of take on this? I liked it fine. I I suppose I didn't think as much of it as I as I thought of the first. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't find it perhaps as um, as funny maybe as the first one. Mm. It the 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 kind of the fact the fact that we had this um, or or rated um, superhero movie already kind of spoils the trick of it, you know, as well. And also, I feel like they toned it down a little bit. I, I, I don't, I don't know if um, I feel, I feel the exact same way. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, they, 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 they kind of, they. Um, I mean, there were some, there were some great moments in this movie. I, I, I don't think, I don't think it belongs to be on the list, and I think that's okay because it probably won't be on for very for long. Very long. Mm. But there, there is, there is, there's other movies, you know, that 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 could be getting on that aren't maybe superhero movies. Yeah. Um, well, that's it. Every summer we, every summer we sit down, and, and I say every summer we've done it once or twice at this stage. Yeah, we and sit like down John and, Wick Volume Two, Guardians of Galaxy, Galaxy Volume Two. two. There's a well, lot. Of, it, sorry, John Wick Chapter Two, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Give it the yeah. proper federation <laughs> respect. Yeah. Graham's first appearance in the podcast. A John Wick story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, interestingly enough, I would. Maybe politely disagree with that. I, first of all, yeah, not be polite. In in <laughs> in no way does this movie belong on the two hundred and fifty. In no way is this a great movie. In no way is this the best blockbuster of the year. In no way is this one of the best X Men movies in any or anything like that. I liked it. I liked it a little bit more than I liked the first one, to be honest, which is interesting because um, I think that what the Deadpool movies do, and we'll probably talk a bit more about this in Spore Zone is as much as they present themselves as transgressive, self-aware, fourth-wall-breaking, like, you know, R-rated, you know, sort of abstract superhero movies that deconstruct the genre, they're actually much simpler mm -hmm. than a lot of contemporary superhero blockbusters. Their stories are a lot more straightforward. Their action sequences are a lot more... They're a lot easier to parse in, in many ways, shapes, and forms. It's a, they're much more straightforward movie-going experience. They're very earnest movies, which actually surprises me, because I think... In the first movie, he has this whole big monologue about how, you know, this is actually secretly a Valentine's Day movie because it was released around Valentine's Day. Yeah. And it is. Um, it absolutely is. It's, you know, 
It's ironic, it's wry, it's cheeky, it's self-aware, but it, it has a set, its central story is a love story, and it counts on you investing in that, at least to a certain degree, in order for it to work. Second movie, he, this one, and we're not going to get too spoilery because it happens before the credits, he talks about it as a movie about family, in the same way that, for example, I don't know, the, the Fast and Furious movies, the Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. movies are about family. But Lion the, King. Yeah, Lion family. King. Yeah. All those, all those great stories. Um, and Strangely, uh, not the X-Men. And it has other sort of similarities with those movies, which we'll probably get to in the spoiler zone. I like that aspect of it, that it is a very straightforward, very simple story. And I appreciate that because we're kind of talking about this when we talked about Infinity War, which is that Infinity War is like the superhero movie on steroids. It's this abstract kind of threat to the very fabric of existence itself. And like, this is just the most obvious example. In, in most superhero movies, you have this threat against the entire planet. What I liked about Deadpool and what I like about Deadpool 2 even more is that despite that sense of like, despite being a sequel, despite being larger, there's a sense of almost like awareness of the limitation of stakes. Its stakes are always intimate and its stakes are very personal and it's, almost more like an 80s action movie than a superhero movie although obviously it hits all the beats along the way i, yeah. I liked it for that reason i don't think it's a classic i don't think it'll be any anybody here's top 10 this the end of the year but i enjoyed seeing it mm. so uh yeah i wouldn't put it on the 250 nope. it wouldn't be on my 250 nope. uh would i recommend you go see it well you you probably know what you're gonna get which is a very earnest story that's told like with the tongue slightly in cheek but that tongue-in-cheek quality allows for i think the earnestness what about you graham yeah, it doesn't belong to the 250. Uh, it's not going to be a my 250. And yeah, there's there's a... To me, honestly, there was a certain sense of... Um, I think something was lost, honestly, when I watched this. Okay. Maybe uh, the heart that they had earned so, so well in the first one, it felt a little less... Earned. It just felt less earned in this one. The themes... Uh, it was also quite predictable. I could tell where everything was going. I could tell literally where every character beat was going to end Going up. to land, yeah. Yeah, and the sad part um, is, the jokes, because of the way that they were prepositioned in the first one, when they made a joke, there would always be the contradictory to it, and I knew that was coming, and obviously I'll get into it in the spoiler zone uh, about specifics. And also, it had a lot of similar beats in many of the... in, in several of the acts. Um between several characters who appear, who don't appear, so on and so forth, that kind of disappointed me. Like, he, the Deadpool points out, you know, it's lazy writing. And he's not wrong. There's a lot of lazy writing, in my opinion, in this film. Oh, yeah. And and there's a question is, like, can you get away with it by drawing attention to it? And to what extent does that excuse it? I don't think... I think they draw attention to it so many times. You're just like, yeah, you've drawn attention to it so much, I can't get away from it now. There were probably um, other things that they didn't really... Um, draw attention to that they could would would probably have done to draw attention away from or mm. to do something about. Yeah. Um, like I I I felt like it, you 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 mentioned it being like an eighties uh, movie and that the stakes are more personal. I never really felt like the the stakes were very uh, significant in in this movie either. Either obviously globally there there wasn't really the sig- sig- significance for them but I didn't I it, it it didn't come across to me like there were like there were great personal stakes either okay. and I suppose it, it, it's it's maybe a um it's maybe a difficulty of 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 the way the way they put across the character 
It's the he, character like Deadpool he, himself. Isn't you it? say you say um, oh people know what to expect. This is a, a very earnest movie. I don't think you expect that the from first one from, was. from 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 Deadpool. And um, there there's there it's 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 difficult to deliver on earnestness when you also have to be so glib. That's interesting because I like why it worked for me as well as it did is because. I think we live in an age that's coded in irony. We live in an age where we have all seen everything before. We're all familiar with the stories. We talked about this when we have Jay on the podcast, where Jay is perpetually jaded with regards to films because he he's, really literally, is. he's literally seen everything. So he can tell not only when things are going to happen. And you knew after start. five minutes who was going to die. Yeah, that's And that it was going to be these two people and not these two. Yeah, and he uh, knew... Jay. Yeah, why that was. There was, oh. a, there was a point <laughs> in, for example... No, no, this is when we did Tangerine, but last Whoa. week, for example. But when he did Blade Runner, he was able to not only predict the direction the story would go, he was able to predict when it would double back on that and Which, which Blade Runner, 2049? 2049. Um, wow. And again, like this is something. Can you like, believe there's been 2049 of them already? Yeah, no, I mean, no, right? 2048 was a bit of a letdown, but I feel yeah. like 2049. I feel like 20, You see, the problem is 2047 was just so so in, in there, you know. But I mean, well, you know what they it's, say? It's always the 2047th entry that really nails it. Yeah. yeah, it's the odd numbers actually. Yeah. In, it really in, is in, in the in Blade, the Blade Runner set. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, the, first, <laughs> the first one was yeah was where it's at. But I think that we do live in an age of like irony, an age where everybody has seen so much. And even if you're not, even if you haven't seen as much as many movies as myself or Jay or or Graham, you still understand the story beats, and there's still a sort of a cynicism about them as well. Like so, we now have stories, and we talked about this I think on the podcast before, where a lot of our stories are ultimately about nothing more than themselves. Infinity War is a great example, but you could argue, for example, like even say The Last Jedi, which didn't make the list. That is a movie that largely works based on your knowledge and understanding of how Star Wars stories are supposed to work, so it can double back and bend and distort it. It's very hard, I think, for modern filmmakers to convincingly sell very simple, very old-fashioned, very Campbellian heroes with a thousand faces. Mm. It all has to be like subversions or sort of like undermining expectations or, or putting twists on it or referencing like the fact that the audience is aware and what I think, and like, it's interesting you should say the glibness doesn't really work with the earnestness. One of the reasons why Deadpool 2 works for me, or worked for me better than I think it worked for either of you, is because that glibness made the earnestness work. And that, like, drawing attention to a lot of what the film does, which is a lot of cliche stuff. And, and Graham's entirely correct when he says you can predict where this movie's going from the opening scene. And there's like one particular egregious example, which is an absolutely terrible example, which we'll talk about like when we get to the spoiler zone, but you can tell literally what a character's fate is from like their introductory conversations. Mm -hmm. You can tell where they're going. You can tell what they're going to hit. And like modern audiences, I think are somewhat jaded to that, which is why you get a lot of sort of complex moving parts in modern films. Why modern films tend to have like overly elaborate, like backstories, motivations, plots, stakes. I think that what Deadpool 2 does and what Deadpool, the original Deadpool did to its credit, is it uses that glibness and self-awareness in order to like catch the audience off guard and to sneak in actual emotional engagement. I will be entirely honest and I will probably get both of you very, very angry at me for this. I felt more... I don't more... know if I can get angry yeah, yeah. about uh, this. Okay. And, and, and maybe, maybe Graham. <laughs> wait but, for yeah, You wait haven't for heard it. what I'm going to say. Okay. Okay. I felt more emotion stirring in my soul watching this than I did watching Coco. What? You. I felt... Mm. Yeah, I actually felt... Okay, never mind. I 
Told you this would make you angry. Um, Graham is turning into a big green. Graham, don't do it. Yeah, <laughs> put the knife down, Graham. Um, but yeah, the, the argument is that uh, yeah, it it actually worked put the for me. Dispatch it away. Yeah, it worked for me on some level, and I think it worked for me because cheese spreader. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would say, like you talked about, how it. it it's, I felt like it was lazy writing. You can do simple stories that are impactful. And yeah, it's a simple story and it could have been really great. But it was lazy writing. Like so, so the jokes were, there were a lot of hit and miss. were a lot of misses. In, like it was hit and miss. But it was a lot more misses than it was in the first one. The first one was like, you know, firing on cylinders. This one, it was like they knew what they needed to hit. And just went, uh. we're going to coast. We're just gonna coast for this I film. Think so. We're just coast. I think that I, I think there's a I there was a like be, one I, bigger laugh in this film than in all of the first one, but we won't talk about it. Yeah, we'll have to well, I, well, you'll have to tell me what that one is because yeah, I doubled over when I first saw it. Like I, I literally had pains in my side for it. But we'll talk about that when we get to the sports. Like see that. Um But yeah, sorry, Andrew, you were saying. Yeah, okay. I, I I I I don't I, I don't, have no heart, Graham. No. I don't think it My necessarily um I don't think it necessarily kind of hit all of the expected beats cuz I think it did, it did a lot of it did a lot of sort of unexpected things. Um this movie did. Um made made a lot of kind of I suppose interesting choices, but I I didn't feel I didn't feel like many of them actually made it a better movie for me. And I guess we'll talk about some of the um, interesting choices it made on the <laughs> yeah. other side of the uh, of of the spoiler zone. But it, the the I suppose what 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 you do um, what you do with those choices uh, de- depends on 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 whether it's more interesting or whether you're kind of like oh well now you have less of a story, yeah. um, which 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 is how I felt watching the movie when 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 they when they did these kind of unexpected things it was kind of it seemed a lot to the detriment of 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 maybe well yes of of people's expectations but also of 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 the um, yeah yeah i mean i mean of of the potential for for what kind of story they could tell Mm. yes 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 they might have kind of went down a well-trodden path by doing things in a certain way but they would also have perhaps more um uh richness i mm. guess yeah all right well i think that we, we sort of we talked about it as generally as we can so what we'll do is we'll pop into the spore zone we'll see you on the other guys uh, we'll see you on the other side guys <laughs> see you on the guys side i don't shank him about coco Spoiler zone. All right, so Graham, what is Deadpool two about for you? Um, it's about Deadpool. It's Deadpool two. Deadpool gets a family. It's mm. literally, hey, guess what? We're gonna tell you at the beginning of the film that Deadpool's into a fa- into having a kid now, and so the whole film's just gonna be about him getting a kid and getting a family, kind of. I don't know. This film, this this film, disappointed me for several reasons. All right, let's just lay into it, Graham. They ruined Cable. Okay, Cable was really boring. 
I know he has to be the straight man, but he's still an interesting character. They turned him into... They turned him into Time Cop! Uh, uh, Graham? A cool version of Time Cop. Graham? What? I, I love 90s X-Men comics as much as you do. And he's nuts in them! He He's not a good character. I think he's a great character. He's, I think he's okay. a great character, but the reason he's so great is because of his connection to his Cop mother. Time Cop is a great character. <laughs> yeah, a boring version of Time Cop. Like, it's like a... Um, like a Taekwondo kick. Yeah, but like, up, do that up into film. somebody's face. And <laughs> and says, also, that's always like, the time cop jokes. It's a wasted opportunity on their part. Although they did make our obligatory Robocop reference uh, very over early on nice. in the film. Yeah, that's why we do appreciate that in the part of the Deadpool mm. 2 writing staff. Um, yeah, from yeah. the 250, we, we appreciate that <laughs> shout out. But, okay. Also, Let's the, talk about Cable. Yeah. Then, right? So, oh. Right? Cable as the comic book character, right? Yeah. Come along or there will be trouble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come quietly. Okay. Come quietly or there will be trouble. Yeah, those classes stuff. Those classes what, what am I talking about? <laughs> you're, you're meant to be the designated Robocop expert, Andrew. I'm... I heard the podcast about that episode. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Um, but, um... Anyway. You never want to hear that. As I, as I was saying, though, like, the thing with, with Cable, right? So as a comic book character, Cable is this mess of continuity. He's somehow... He's somehow Cyclops' son, yet somehow older than him, but also exists primarily to defeat Apocalypse, right? Mm. Which is this, again, tied up in this big whole continuity thing, and also a not-great X-Men movie. And I mean, I liked it more than Andrew. I will concede it's a not-great X-Men movie. Oh, it's not a great X-Men movie. No, not at all. No. So, I... It it was lacking cable. No, it wasn't. (laughs) It looked looked terrible. It was cluttered. It It was was Ivan Ooze versus the X-Men. Yeah, it was all structured. It was very much trying to do the sort of Marvel spectacle. But hey, we're not here to, to, to bring down a X-Men Age of Apocalypse. We're here to bring down Deadpool 2. Yes. We're not here. I, I, <laughs> you agreed. So. I'm, not the, I'm, I'm not here to bring it down. I, 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 I just thought it was kind of disappointing. Yeah. Like, disappointing. There, um, and it was, it, was, it, was, it was strange. I, should, the, the, um, I don't think it did a great job of tone, to be honest. Okay. Like, like I, I, I thought there, there were... There were jokes that could have could have been made that instead went 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 for a very kind of um uh earnest feeling instead like like the um like the pedophilia thing for 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 example mm. um there there was it was, it's it was the child abuse of russell right like yeah it's in the essex home so Ru- russell we'll get to that russell has been abused yeah. Um, I, 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 like just torture. I feel really bad because I, I, I thought, I thought there was a joke being set up there. And as soon, as soon as Russell reveals, like you were, you were <laughs> in the cinema with me. Yeah. He says to Deadpool, he's, he says something along the lines of they, um, like, I don't know what exactly he says to Deadpool to, to, to tell him what, 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 what happened? has happened. But I I laughed because I thought he's he's um, manipulating Deadpool into killing these guys. Wow! Wow! Andrew has um, a very dark sensibility. Yeah, yeah. I I I thought that was like his like his most operandi is to and, and it, it seemed it seemed kind of true in a way because kid, kid, uh, kids these days will, will actually. Oh my god! Whoa! Okay. What? Go ahead. What the kids are going to manipulate, make, make up a manipulate story adults yeah. to get back at other adults? No, it, 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 watch it. out there, McMartin preschool. <laughs> <laughs> like. No, it's it's the way like um, uh, kids will like shout like pedo at like adults because it's hilarious to them. Um, Have you had that happen to you? 
I've 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 had friends of mine that who 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 were who who weren't like weren't really pedo. Oh my god. Okay. No. Thank you. Oh my god. Thank you. Uh, anyway, let's move. Let's okay. move. No. Okay. Um, no, but the the uh, I'm gosh, you, you guys are very um, careful about how you talk about these sorts of things, aren't you? A little bit, yes. Um, in terms of yes, children who have been abused and, and yeah. And I mean, I, I I got from the film that he was just tortured. Like we saw the scenes of him literally being tortured. Uh, it was so okay, you, but it was it was very much like you thought allegorical. This was more and, like, sensitive and like Domino pointed out later in the movie, film, she went there then, as well. Then, then, what you were joking out there? Yeah, I don't know. I like I, they, like we're just man, manipulating a um an an abuse story to and not really doing any anything um terribly interesting with it. Okay. Oh. I, I thought that there was something potentially interesting in the way that the film... Oh, there's definitely potentially interesting. There's okay. potentially... Okay, that is fine. the problem with it. There's I thought there was something, something effective then in the way that the film downplayed it rather than tackling it directly and overly earnestly. Like, for example, it's telling that when, um, you know, Fire Fist uh, talks about how... Is he an actual... I, no, I, no, I don't believe he is. But when, for example, he's talking about how... Um, He's talking about, like, why he's so angry inside himself. He makes, like, a, an offhand remark about how there are no plus-side superheroes and role models for True. him. True. But no, 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 no. But that's 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 a one-liner. That's a joke, right? But that joke serves to distract from the obvious implication that he has been abused. And as a result of that abuse... Wait, so you think become... that was a joke? Yeah. I didn't laugh at that. Okay. I thought, I thought, he, was very, I thought he was very right, though. There are very few plus-size... Like, no, that, that was a that he's, was a joke. Was that a joke? He's, he's entirely yeah. correct. It can be both true and a joke. Um, like you, you don't. See so what I mean by this? This being all over the place. No, but okay. But I think that's an example. That's not how humor works. Yeah, um, I think the <laughs> yeah. first. That's not how the force works. Yeah, there are midichlorians that make you laugh. They tickle you in the right places. But I think that, like for example, that that's an example of how, or well, for me, mm. of how the film sort of like ironic and wry deflection allows it to be sort of semi-earnest. And that if you had had him say, they did horrible things to me, they crept into my room, they abused me, um, I was assaulted. If you had him actually articulate that, it would seem manipulative and, and crass. Whereas if you have him react, I think that there's an honesty in deflecting from stuff like that. But I think what that about when Deadpool tells him to, you know, he's going to win an award for the softest mouth in the prison, in the icebox. Like that is... That's Deadpool's like super not a, messed up. Not a nice person. Um, trying to be, but not a nice person. Yeah. But I don't know. I, again, I think that you have people who have been hurt and people who are suffering who it's deflect weird that from he's that. He's a child in, 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 <laughs> well, in a prison <laughs> full of adults. Yeah. It is. He's the one child. And, yeah, the, like the, um, the ice box. The yeah. ice box, which is a, which is aptly named for his power and his power alone. Well, also because it's in the middle of like an icy field, and also mm. yeah, um, I would say an Arctic tundra. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I I feel like that's a way that you do something like that. In that, if listeners you... can tweet whether they prefer icy field <laughs> or Arctic tundra, uh, yeah, use the hashtag. I just want to point out: there's a great reveal of uh, Juggernauts in this film. Why is he in a prison for mutants? Oh, he's not a mutant. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people like me can appreciate that distinction. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. It like again, this is this is like Shatterstar's. Oh, I'm from Mojo World stuff. So it doesn't. But it did point that out. It doesn't actually matter. Again, like this is not something that it important. doesn't matter because you saw what happened to him. This is not something that matters for the storytelling that the film is doing, and I appreciate that. But to I've get seen him in X Men. 
He's a mutant. He's a mutant, therefore, <laughs> yeah. logically, it follows. X-Men is about mutants. No, but he means the cartoon, and he wasn't a mutant in that. He was also in X-Men 3. Nothing. No, I, yeah. I know. He's, he's, he's possessed by the demonic power of Sitarak. Yeah. But, okay, yes, Graham, I'm aware of this. But again, it doesn't really matter because you're not. This don't isn't you, a juggernaut movie. I'm you're sorry, not gonna... I, I don't read newspapers. Yeah, I'm not okay <laughs> with like the juggernaut's backstory, his college education. Like I feel they like they gave enough. They said that he was the brother of Charles. They didn't say. They alluded they say, to. They alluded. They say that he's wearing the helmet because his brother is constantly trying to get into his head. Yeah. Name one other mutant. And that's because no... he's in a wheelchair. And but, because he's in a wheelchair. Yeah, but at the same time, but to get back to what I was saying there about... So we're all over the place to... Okay, well, very much in the style of the film. But to get back to, to what I was suggesting there is that, like, when you have these people who have been hurt and traumatised, I quite appreciate having them approach the, the subject obliquely and deflecting through humour and irony and, and by joking amongst themselves and to others about what they've seen. No, I but find it's that very more... clear that he's been abused. It is very clear, and that's that's what I, I like, that it, it doesn't make... You say that's why they connected so it... well, because the both of them had been abused as children. Well, he talks about how he grew up in homes like this yeah, one. Yeah. Like, and again, he's mirrored again with Cable, because they both you know lost families, whether yeah. hypothetical or potential or whatever. All because but, of their jobs. Yeah, but again, and again, it's, it's very simple, very 80s action movie mm. storytelling, but I think that works to a certain degree. And I think you couldn't get away with it if you dealt with it more directly and more overtly and more honestly. I think that if you if you were explicit about it, if you weren't like ironic or wry about it, it wouldn't work as well because the audience would be like, this is very cynical. Mm. Whereas the film being cynical about it allows you to get that sort of almost meta layer of irony on top of it where you can accept it. But- yeah, I I, I, I thought the I thought it was going to be like, oh the you <laughs> You made me. You made me shoot those people because I thought they were pedos. <laughs> <laughs> they were just jerks. <laughs> like, um, they, they didn't give you like a, you know. They didn't give you your copy of TV I, I, Guide. I, I, I just felt they were overzealous, overzealous religious people who were just torturing mutants. This is the thing, right? Which is, I actually I quite like the aspect of this where. It is in some ways an archetypal classic X Men movie, not just because Deadpool actually teams up with the X Men in, in that. That stuff with the Essex home is very obviously meant to be conversion therapy, mm. which is the first time Pray that, out the game. Yeah, that, that we've really sort of seen an X-Men metaphor like that since first class at the, like, if you want to go back. Um, I mean, there were elements of it in Logan with the idea of child, these children being immigrants and sort of brushed aside. And there were aspects of it in, in Days of Future Past, although that got kind of lost, I think, in like the epic time travel stuff. This is a very... It's X-Men 2. Yeah, X-Men 2, way back when. Yeah, that's the, that's, that's got, yeah. that, had a nice, that had a nice subtle one. He talked. He, he, well, that's he somewhere where he tried not being. He tried not being a mutant. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, because he he's he, he's arriving at Essex and he's like, oh, it, it, it's the X Men uh, dated sixties mm. metaphor for metaphor racism. for racism. High five, my brother. And then he high fives a black police officer, yeah. which is, by the way, a nice nod to how horribly dated the X Men are. It's like <laughs> imagine being a minority comprised primarily of white guys. Mm. Um, like, but I, I feel like, again, that's another example of the movie being able to make jokes so that these things don't seem awkward or don't seem as horrible as they would be if they were earnest. Because the issue with the X-Men is the X-Men are primarily, like, they've primarily been written by white writers who have no experience with the minority experience. They are primarily, um, at least before the Claremont reboot, like, white characters. You look at the five original X-Men and they're all wasps, you know. The guy with the pigeon wings, Cyclops, Jean Grey, Iceman, and the original Beast before he turned blue. Um, they are like the definition of white guys. And there's a sense that using mutants as a metaphor for racism, you know, the whole Martin Luther King versus uh, Malcolm X thing, 
It's horribly reductive and cynical and it doesn't quite wash as mm. much as it used to. So having Deadpool arrive, say that line, be ironic and self-aware about it, allows the film to then sort of play with that idea by having like mutant hood as a metaphor for, for example, um, LGBT characters. Um, while also, by the way, being the first superhero movie uh, with the possible exception of the Power Rangers reboot last year, to have uh, an LGBTQ character in it. Um, where, well, obviously, uh, Yukio and Yukio and, and uh, Negasonic. It's the first one, is it? Well, think of another example. Um, Excluding Power Rangers from last year, where one of the characters was curious about their sexuality. Uh, I'm fairly certain there is a. There, I, I'm fairly certain there's a. Oh, Wonder Woman. That's implied. That's not. That, that is not implied. They are stated that they're girlfriends. Yeah, like it's dated their girlfriends. Yeah, like it's, when she when um, when Robin Wright went down, her girlfriend was in absolute tears, huddled over her body. Again, they're described as sisters on the island. You can argue it's there in yeah. the same way that, for example, I don't know Lando's pansexuality is there in theory in Solo. Yeah, um, and I mean you could argue the same thing about like whether Sulu and Beyond counts. Or I'm whatever. fairly certain. But, I'm fairly certain that but okay. there's a Marvel thing there. Uh, they said it. They've said it off screen. Yeah. I mean, there are lots of great examples of that J.K. Rowling famously said Dumbledore was gay after she killed him off. Mm. But I mean, like you, you can. So you Did have she kill him off because he was gay. There's, there's easy now. Easy. Happen. But I mean, I think that you could. So you, you know, you obviously you have these LGBTQ characters. Mm. So you can then like do the metaphor of mutanthood as like an LGBTQ experience mm. uh, while pointing out that it's an imperfect metaphor. You can also do stuff like send it to prison and sort of so you can have that aspect of like every other oppressed minority. You can have, you know, that sort of mm. stuff playing through it, which I think it does relatively well and it works yeah, they, better. They it was great to see guy. an Irishman. Yeah, it was Black good. Tom Cassidy. It was great to see an Irishman in this film. Um, I, I really like that Black Tom yeah. Cassidy is now going to be a punchline. Because, um, because, because, um, Sorry, you might not know, um, Andrew. Black Tom Cassidy is Irish. Like, he's an Irish mutant. I got that from watching the movie. Uh, um, no, I, know, I know they said um, lots of the, times that he was black, the but brother, no, I, I got yeah. that he was Irish from, from his accent. He's the brother yeah. of uh, Banshee, who he, is a big mutant. He also has a long-standing relationship with Juggernaut, but anyway, we won't go into that. Yeah, I know, mind blown. Wow. Yeah, yeah, Claremont in particular sort of emphasized that. And in fact, it was implied that they may or may not be more oh, friends. Oh, I, I know, see. Claremont, big yeah. guy. Um, <laughs> yeah. But again... This you is could, post uh, Claremont. Claremont. Yeah, um, or, or just Claremontian. But yeah, there's this aspect... I like that Deadpool does that. So it can deflect mm-hmm. and point out and sort of acknowledge... The imperfections in stuff like, for example, the the mutants as a metaphor for minorities, um, which you know is is like the core of what the X Men are, but it's very hard to play straight these days in this era of like identity politics and this era of sort of more awareness of like black yeah. writers and Change characters writing black characters. Yeah, this sort of stuff. And I think that being self-aware allows it to do little things like that. I think it's the same thing with its storytelling. I know how self-aware it is. I mean, I mean, the, the... I think it's very self-aware. Well, no, no sorry, sorry. I the the because um, you 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 have you have this relationship that he has with um, what's her name, Megasonic a teenage, teenage warhead. warhead, Megasonic teenage warhead, Mega, uh, Mega, and Mega. Okay, like. yeah, and 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 with most other characters, where 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 he's always like um, uh, uh, passive aggressive, pass- yeah, yeah, and making fun of them. 
But 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 with Yukio, he's like unremittingly nice. He's to so her. nice. Yeah, and, and like, every time they said hi to each other. I mean, they, they, it's that seems like an overture to a like oh, Dead Deadpool appreciates um, L- LGBTQ people <laughs> because it is the only person he's nice to. So it's like, in case you think that a Deadpool it's is, is isn't down with that sort of he's, thing, he's for some reason he's nice. I know it doesn't really make sense. <laughs> well, I mean, to to be fair, it's it's a t- like again, Deadpool. Oh, no, 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 no. I know Deadpool is as as much as the character is wry and cynical, as much as he's a mercenary with a mouth, as much as he's a superhero who kills people and pales them on katanas and like slices up and that guy like, them. like a shish kebab. Um, to quote the original Deadpool movie, it's there's, there's always been thank you very much Grim. there's Sorry, always I saw been last a, night. <laughs> a sense that the character particularly in the movies has been like earnest and sweet and careful like he's introduced in the first Deadpool movie like helping a teenage girl yeah. deal with a stalker because he's a nice guy again not subtle storytelling 80s action movie storytelling it's like we want to introduce this character to the audience we want to make sure he's edgy so he's a hitman but we want to make sure the audience know they can trust him so maybe he's helping a teenage girl do something and I feel like that's the sort of stuff that you're getting with, with Yukio, is that it's like, oh, look, he's he's cynical with the characters that he knows and he has the rapport with. So, for example, Colossus, where they have <laughs> the back and forth, or where Negasonic Teenage Warhead, where they have the back and forth with. And it's like, oh, he's actually, you know, he can be pleasant to mm. He can be a decent human being underneath it all. I was certain they were going to, uh, af- after, uh, by, by, by the way, his girlfriend dies. I was certain after that that there were that he was going to have to joke. Um, she wanted to call him Todd, um, where and, and I was surprised that they didn't that they didn't do that. Wanted to call who Todd? That, 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 yeah, that that he, that, he would, that he would be talking about his 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 his, his uh, girlfriend who's died, and mm. he was like. We wanted to have a child. She was going to call him Todd. I thought <laughs> that, that was know, that, she didn't want to call, didn't want to call him Todd. She but no one else Todd. knows that, so yeah. I can just tell everyone that that was her <laughs> idea. That's actually quite a nice joke. Let's let's talk about Vanessa, right? Because this is one of the things that I think the film doesn't do particularly well. Where I think it plays into cliche very very much. I think there's a lot mm. of that in there. I think it doesn't. It isn't as self aware as it yeah. presents itself. She as got being. Austin powered. No, she got fridged. Is the the expression that's used. Where a female character is killed off to motivate a male character. So, mm. for example, um, famous example comes from Gail Simone, originally based in comic books. Simone coined it in relation to an issue of Green Lantern, where oh, the villain where uh, Kyle Major, Major Force uh, shoved the Green Lantern Kyle Rayner's girlfriend into a fridge for him to find. Later on, the following year, he attempted to one-up one, one himself by shoving Kyle Rayner's mother into an oven. Um, but again, it's an expression for... Isn't Major Force like a superhero? No, no, he's a villain. But the, the idea is that you you have these female characters, not specific to comic books. You can think of plenty of movies, for example, where female characters are killed off or imperiled in order to motivate the hero What's to give them a the fridge. Yeah, that's exactly... What's in the fridge? Yeah, that's one very obvious example there, if they could give one. Um, there's the moment where, for example, you know... Batman's girlfriend gets abducted, taken to a warehouse, and put in a fridge with a bomb. That sort of stuff. Oh you my know, God. It happens quite a lot in action movies, and it's never properly... You know, it's sort of accepted as a trope. And it's really well, disappointing they, that Deadpool does this without acknowledging it or without playing with it. And the, well, they, they did kind of acknowledge it in well, the credits. They, they, they played with it in a way that... Uh, what I was, I guess, talking about on the other side was they made a choice that didn't, I think, work for me, but was maybe more interesting than what they'd obvi- than what they'd obviously go for. So his 
his um, vengeance is uh, to be on himself. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, all that's of the drive for the film, all of the villains um, who took um, his Vanessa's life. Yeah, like it, 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 we 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 could expect the movie to be a re- re- revenge tale where he has to uh, fi- fi- find well, these people and take them out. The movie there, even alludes to that with Colossus, yeah. where he's like, one of the guys got away, and Colossus is like, okay, we'll hunt him down, and then Deadpool says. Yeah, it was, it me. was me. Yeah, yeah. and and that, that's that's the kind of interesting thing, but yeah. it doesn't really kind of um, it doesn't. I don't think work as a um, as 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 a storytelling device because uh, you as an audience, you're not like I really hope he kills himself. Yeah, I, I I I hope I hope I hope he finally gets that last person. <laughs> yeah. I did, um, I did and and then that. I can walk out of this movie. Thing. Well, really? that's that being satisfied with I, it. Yeah. I did like when he died though, because when he died in this film, the multiple times he died, because obviously it's Deadpool, he can die. The way this the cinematography for when he died and would come back was actually quite cool. Well, it's very much sucked back into reality. Oh, yeah, sorry, when he would die and visit his girlfriend. Visit Vanessa, and then he would literally get sucked back to life. I love the the design of that. I mean, the thing thing with that is actually, it's interesting, because that's more along the lines of when we talked about Infinity War, we talked about Thanos, Mm. and how Thanos had a girlfriend who was the embodiment of death. And it's kind Mm. of weird that a a Deadpool movie is able to do that slightly better, or with more commitment than like a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie is. But there's this aspect. Well, no, okay, but I mean, also well, because it can be more playful. But I mean, we're just talking away. Um, I I don't know what to say. Um, I'll say it anyway. Oh, <laughs> oh well done. Uh, Sorry. I, I should have had something to say after that. <laughs> just Take to leave on me. But, um, I mean, but again, like, and again, this is the thing about the movies, like the balance between irony and earnest, earnestness, right? The music that plays over the closing credits is We Belong by Pat Benatar, which is obviously like this cheesy, 80s, synth-heavy power ballad, which is ridiculous on the face to it. But there's a sense that the movie on some level, like, commits to it and almost earns it in its own weird way. Again, almost. I, I think okay. I think it comes closer than you guys are giving credit for, but that's just me. Mm. But I, I do so, like the the um how how do you do this movie if, if you get to the point where um the there there's two there's two motivations for him to kill himself or die or be killed. And one one is to avenge uh, her murders. The second is to be reunited with her in in heaven. Um, there's a heaven, by the way. I, yeah, and uh, now now there's a heaven, and and uh, and no hell below us, though. No. So if he, he can go to heaven, anyone can. And then and then it's kind of like, well, um, you're you can't stay here. Um, because you're 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 going back to your f word, your 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 family, because that's important now. Like did the um, and you'll see me at some other point. Um, and it's like, oh, um, it doesn't it doesn't really seem to me like like if you were giving them the choice, it's like, well, this is my whole motivation to get here. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I um, I'll go I'll go back. That's fine. The, um, because he doesn't want to because, go back, though. He very clearly doesn't want to go. And yet he goes back. But he's still yanked. He's, he, he, he like, but no, he's, he he goes back because she says so. He was already going back. 
Yeah, I mean, he he seems um, at You're peace trying. with it because I guess he realizes uh, there's some chance there'll be a third movie. <laughs> um, like, or, I I don't know, I don't know how Im- important these people are to him. I don't think the movie really earns that. Okay. Um, mm. that Not even Domino. No, I I I think I think Domino's great, um, but I, I don't think I don't think there's anything What's as, her as, connection to Wayne? especially yeah. Um, yeah powerful about about um, his connection I, I, uh, to to her. I think there's maybe a strong enough connection between him and Colossus. Mm. I think it does very little with Negas- um, Negasonic Teenage Well, she had kind of earned Negasonic it in the last one. T- teenage- yeah, yeah. So, like, but that's that's kind of... Um, um, you have you have the characters from the from the first movie. Mm. Did he earn it with Russell? No, no, I don't think so. Yeah, they, I don't they, think so I, 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 didn't, I didn't think um, there was really... Um, much of a sense of their because it, it be, be much much of a sense of their relationship um together because an, another interesting thing that the movie does that i think takes away from the movie is you separate um deadpool and russell deadpool and russell but not in a um reunite with russell kind of way more in a they become um um uh, uh, Russell becomes an antagonist, mm. where 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 the idea would be to um, in a conventional movie would be to have uh, Deadpool um, trying to protect Russell, trying either to protect Russell from Cable or to try and get Russell back from Cable. Um, or are from Juggernaut, but Jugger- Juggernaut hasn't kidnapped. Um, yeah. No, that's yeah. The so thing. so 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 they're at odds. Mm. For 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 the movie, and that's the relationship you you you're 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 meant to invest to in. In, invest in, and then you don't really have proper villains in no, in, in in this movie, and even even like the the so Julian Dennison's character is going after the the kind of principal or the, um, the head master, master of, of this Essex school, but but but. But he he's kind of he's kind of killed um, sort of incidentally. Yeah. Well, this this is the thing. This is when we talk about the film not necessarily cable like, as being, well being like, as self aware as it should be. Like the there's this wonderful sequence where like Deadpool is trying to convince Russell not to kill the headmaster. As this whole you big know thing, he's gonna die at some point. That's it exactly. Yeah. And they murder they murder pretty much an entire like school full of of like henchmen, Deadpool and Cable. And it's weird that like. Deadpool's thing is that, you know, Russell can't kill any of them, but I can I can massacre yeah. them as much as you want, to the point where you're almost surprised where Deadpool doesn't just pull out the gun and execute the headmaster. The principal. That's but, what I thought would would happen. Like, it because that, was, it sounds like, you, you want to kill this guy? Well, you can't, because I've killed yeah. him. Yeah. It feels you, like, you, have to, you have to do some homework first before yeah. you can yeah. graduate to kill because, him. Because it's okay for adults to kill people, but it's not okay for kids to kill people because they get a taste for it, and then they get really good like me. Who's an adult? Yeah. Who started young? Um, it just feels like they 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 did something a bit too hackneyed and amateurish. I thought in the sense that it, so what if if he kills anyone? If Russell kills, is it only this guy, or is it he literally has to kill once and I, then he's evil? It's a very like this is the thing. It's a very simple story, and it's maybe too simple, but I admire the simplicity of it, which is this idea. 
And again, it's not fully thought through because, again, you have Deadpool and Cable massacring mountains full of guards. And you have, like, Domino setting in motion. Uh, that, that, like, chop, chop off their heads and stuff, right? But you have... In front of children. But it's a very simple Girl. character and, and story arc, which is that, like, you do a thing and it makes you a bad person and that's the stakes of the story. Like, you commit an action... Like, this is the, the, you know, the whole earnestness of the whole, it only takes four or five moments to be a hero. The idea that it takes one moment for you to be a bad person. You have to make one choice, mm. and it makes you a bad person. And whether or not I, that's accurate I'm, or fair, I think I'm, that's a I'm, simple narrative. I'm not, not convinced all those, I'm not convinced all those orderlies deserve to die. No, I, can, I, just, no, I know, I know. I, know, I can I know. imagine one of the orderlies going home, and it's like, I, when are you going to leave that place? It's I'll like, leave it. Listen, the money's good. Yeah. The money's good. We need like, it. And I haven't but actually it's destroying seen you. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's like... Well, didn't didn't you say that? Yeah, I've never. I I, I can't prove it. Yeah. Also, there's a there's a. I thing. just work reception. Also, the, there's a weird thing here of like he's trying to save the soul of this child. Yeah. And yet, Deadpool kills yeah. literally dozens of people, and he's going to heaven. Yeah. Oh yeah. So what makes what? Why? Yeah. Where's the tipping point? Why does he get his own? Like and there's even a moral barometer. There's there's a there's a point in the film that says you know how we know everything's okay because this teddy bear is no longer filled with blood. And it's it's very like again it's 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 kind of amateurish. It's it's okay. There's it, a better I, way. I would doing. argue I would argue it's simple um, and it's perhaps too simple. But I admire that you, simplicity. You can I think do simplicity better though. You you can do simplicity better. I'm not saying it did it perfectly, but I'm oh. saying that its stakes were very mm. clear in that and not in like a will, clear of the mechanics of why this worked, but clear in like if this happens, he's a bad person. Those are the yeah. stakes. Right, Cable should have should not have existed then. He should have disappeared the I've, second that was I've, fixed. Again, that I, doesn't really matter. I've, I've, no, I, I I don't think those things matter either. But, to me, but it I, I, logic. I think um, like the simplicity of the bear is a very simple storytelling tool. The idea of the dust and the blood disappearing from it is a very simple way of communicating to the audience that the future's been changed. You don't have to do like epic days of future past, like montages and like camera movements and whirling through special effects. I think that communicating but that we simply got that. You didn't. You didn't get any shot of his kids back alive in the future. No, but we got the whole time-travelling device that, like, shakes and everything, and that's big special effects and everything when he's moving. Yeah, but again, it's not like this big epic, like, the future's suddenly a perfect place. Well, actually, um, it might be, I... because we don't know how dangerous Firefist got. He became one of the most dangerous mutants in the future, so actually, well, the world might be a better place, because he's not there. Well, I don't... I, I, I found like I wasn't convinced with the... with, with, um, with the kind of um, accounts... That cable gave, and I feel like um, some some of the looks that you this is from Cable's perspective. This is him kind of like telling a story, and like some of the looks and some of the things he doesn't say um, seem to reveal that there there was a kind of a potential to do a sort of a Rashomon sort sort of story with with um, with Firefist or yeah. I mean, and but here's the thing, and again, I like that. For example, you get a lot. You get a lot of little stuff. So when it, when he's burning the family alive, you get him like you get a fire, firefist who's grown up, who's sort of become bitter. He's repeating everything that his abuser said to him. You have this idea, mm. and it's a really small and intimate character drama. Like firefist isn't a threat to the time space continuum. He isn't going to destroy half the universe. He isn't going to kill an entire planet. In fact, it's it's readily implied that Cable's future, and I quite like this. Cable's future is not an apocalyptic future on the scale of, say, X Men: Days of Future Past. It did kind or of look it. It looked a little bit like that, but there was never a sense of oh, I've gone back. Like 
Deadpool points out, why don't you travel back in time and kill when baby he was a Hitler? Baby, yeah. No, kill baby Hitler. Yeah. If you have a time travel device, why would you travel? Yeah, why would you travel well, he back? He points it out. He says, the further you go back, the difficult it is yeah. to control. And Deadpool's like, Deadpool's entirely correct to say that's lazy writing. The reason that he doesn't do that is because that's not the story here. Mm. He just goes back because it's a small, intimate, personal thing. I mean, does it really work perfectly? I don't think it does. But I like the like those are the stakes that they're kept relatively simple i like the smallness of the film in many ways shape or form particularly when you're doing like a big blockbuster sequel mm. and in fact i actually like the, the moment in the film i doubled over at when i first saw it was the moment at which the film most overtly like parodied the tendency to do this big blockbuster sequel thing where deadpool spends 12 minutes assembling oh. this gigantic crossover easily team. the best part of the film this whole section. Um, yeah, of assembling this gigantic crossover team that he's going to lead into battle, um, including, like, characters from the comics, like Terry Crews. And actors like Terry Crews, Louis Tan, who was the, the best part of Iron Fist, mm. despite only appearing the in the single scene. Mysterious Invisible character. The Mysterious the Invisible. Mysterious Invisible. Just we can say it. Vanisher. Man. No, yeah. no. Brad Pitt. Yeah. <laughs> and then he assembles them, he interviews them, they have a big montage, they, you know, they jump into battle, there's a nice preparatory scene mm. where he gives, like, an arousing speech about I, how they're going to be expert. Bill Skarsgård's there, he's big right now. And then they... The thing I, the thing I found, fu- sorry, the thing I found funniest about that was him looking at the photo of Rob Delaney. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I feel like a big catfish. Yeah, where it's Rob Delaney. <laughs> like an overweight sp- Rob Delaney. Yeah, who's skinny wearing a suit and sort of with the right amount yeah, of stuff. Yeah, like the, the way like his, his headshot. Like, Twitter mm. bio. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I guarantee you all those pictures were just their actual headshots. Uh, no, I think As they had actors. To, they had to do some with Louis Tan. Louis Tan's Shatterstar looks oh, like Oh yeah, Shatterstar. yeah, yeah. But oh. definitely Terry Crews's. Oh yeah, quite possibly. But again, and then they, they do all this setup, which is like this big. We're going bigger with the sequel. We're doing like this Infinity War thing. We're gonna have dozens and dozens <laughs> of characters. You know, they're all gonna Wakanda sp- forever because that's yeah. that's what they did. And also, like you know, they need to be able to carry a franchise for ten yeah. to fifteen years. And then it brutally murders every single a one lot of, of people. Them. Got a lot of people got like. Uh, Shatterstar got splattered. Yeah. Uh, uh, with just a lock of hair landing. Oh, like, d- that uh, was really sad. And his blood was green. Yeah, which is a nice touch. It's like he really is an alien. Again, again, that's a very interesting thing. And um, that, that, like a, an interesting choice that you could have made um, that they did make. And you have to kind of applaud them for that. But the, uh, there, there is an extent to which that choice kind of lessened the movie a bit because there's probably... Maybe one or two uh, people. I don't think. I, I don't think Zeitgeist would have been terribly <laughs> interesting to continue on. <laughs> I don't. I, I, I don't. Well, that doesn't mean anything to me. Um, but but um, or Terry Crews's character. Bedlam. Please. I, 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 w- I would have liked to to see Peter continue, but I yes. I, I suppose I suppose I think of all I characters, think, Peter does not exist in canon. But, yeah, no, I, Peter's great. Peter is the best character in the movie. I think a lot of people's favorite character yeah. was, was 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 Peter. Was Peter and why? I think Deadpool's favorite character was Peter. Yeah. If we're being entirely honest here. Yeah, but he I, ca- ca- came came back to save him. But uh, like Gigi. the the yeah. the interesting thing would yeah. would oh, cool. would be to. Um, well, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just being one of those kind of like want to have my cake and eat it. So I, I appreciated the 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 them the whole butchery of and and the way that kind of inverts your yeah. um, expectations. expectations. But, but I would have would have liked to see. 
yeah, I would have liked to see Peter, for example. I suppose they already had the the um, human the, uh, char- character of Dupinder. Um, yes, yeah, Dupinder, who 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 serves a similar who's a, purpose. Yeah, who's who's just a regular person who wants to get in on on it, but it, but mm-hmm. I guess for for kind of different reasons. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I admired that. Like, this, that again, speaks to what I liked about the movie, which was this sort of subversion of, like, the larger-than-life superhero sequel, where mm. it boils down to... And again, I think, I think though, like, when you say try to have your cake and eat it, I think to a certain extent it does try to have its cake and eat it, in that there's a lot more Colossus in this one, for example. Yeah. Um, there's a... Domino is obviously added to the cast. Mm-hmm. Cable is added as part who, of the ensemble. Who's, who's terrific, by the uh, way. Zazie Beetz uh, yeah. from Atlanta. She's fantastic. Um, Domino is is a fascinating character. She's yeah. again the action. I actually quite like the action. The in action this. was great. I, the action I, was I, this, uh, for me. It felt okay. Felt I, the same. I, I I thought I thought that ba, 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 like you get the Ruth the, Goldberg sequences where you see Domino's effect. Like that is cool. Effect, it is nice to finally see very that well cinematically choreographed and very well put together. But did it feel like Domino's powers not only were it's lucky for her, but it's bad for everyone else around her? Yeah. Is that part of her powers, or is it just that it's just luck is great? I think for it's her. her intention. Yeah, like they, they, she she's trying to achieve um, a goal, a, a, a goal, yeah. and 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 luck is 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 on her is, side is mm. helping her. Do but so. it, it felt like in the film it was taking away from other people. Well, you know, I mean, for I, you to be lucky, some it, like if you are in like a superhero situation where somebody's pointing a gun at you, luck is a zero sum game. Yeah, I thought Josh Brolin was fantastic as an action. Um, star in this movie I th- like he put a huge amount of work into kind of like it's like he was preparing for Thanos and they didn't <laughs> tell him kind of well there'll be CG um, um, helping you out on this yeah um, but it's like, like, I will get that yeah. Yeah, and you but, also have another gauntlet but he has this uh, um, I found like a terrific kind of like charisma the, the only thing is that he I suppose you're used to in in um, these kind of movies, you're used to having a, a, a kind of um, overpowered uh, villain, and that it never it never really came 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 across because he. I suppose Juggernaut. He didn't. No, I I mean uh, Cable. The the the, the, the quasi villain. You were, you were yeah, but going going into the movie, you're um, you're expecting the, it you're, so you're, very you're, much. You're expecting. Um, this uh, cable is 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 going to be like essentially the the villain of, of the piece. Yeah, like yeah. he's trying to kill Russell. As far as the trailers presented, and by the way, trailers for this, and again, this is something that blockbusters have gotten much better at in recent years. Yeah, they're very misleading, which is very clever because it means when you're watching the movie, you're caught off guard. So, for example, they actually shot scenes with Terry Crews yeah. and Louis. So I watched Tan. one trailer for this, and that yeah. was all. But they they shot special footage of the characters from X Force, like using their powers in fight scenes on the street. So that when you were watching it, like, you were caught double off guard if you'd been watching the promotional material. At one point, like, apparently Terry Crews said they actually shot standees for them. So they would have actual character posters for all the X-Force characters. Mm. Uh, but that was apparently... There's no cut version coming. There's a director's yeah. cut of it coming as well, which will be interesting. Apparently they're going to use alt takes for a lot of the jokes and stuff. Mm. Um, and include a suicide montage, um, which was cut for a number of reasons. One imagines taste was one, yeah. but also the fact that it would have come directly after the 9 to 5 montage as well. Yeah. Um, uh, there was also a Disney joke that was cut. I imagine it was Frozen-centric. Well, the, the Frozen one remained in. Yeah, but I, but uh, apparently there was a Disney joke that was... Uh, apparently Disney got wind and okay. put, put the Knicks a wrong. joke. And I'd say it had something to do with Frozen because they were, they were leaning heavy into Frozen insults in this film, I will say. Can you see me? 
Yep. What, what are you guys doing? <laughs> oh, God, Mickey! And what do you call us? <laughs> Jesus. I want that fool's head! You'll never work in this town again! Yeah. Um, but to be fair, yeah, he does He does describe it as Winnie the Poohing it. Oh, um, my God, that, that's the basic incident uh, scene? Yeah, <laughs> see, see, seeing that baby penis. That was <laughs> but a, only for a second. Hilarious. Oh, why is yeah. your hand small again? That was not my hand. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, because they did the basic instinct thing. Where oh his my legs God. are growing Pro- back. Yeah. And oh my that, God. It's like oh, they 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 went ahead and did it because they don't do it like straight away. No. They do it do it. The reveal um, of of it was very well done. And I mean, like, because you've kind of gotten past the point where you think, oh, you've accepted that, yeah, that they're, he's they're not going to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he's toddlering it. <laughs> I mean, like, there's there's a number of really great like, and again, you want to talk about Leech, like the thing with uh, with. The direction of this was Tim Miller, who directed the original film, apparently wanted to do a more standard superhero sequel. He wanted to do like an escalating of the scales. He, for example, argued that he wanted Mr. X, I think, as a primary villain. He wanted, for example, Black Tom Cassidy as a major villain as well. Um, and himself, He's in and, this film. himself and Reynolds sort of clashed over that. Reynolds apparently got veto and, and booted him out and brought in Leech, who was who had done, for example, John Wick as the yeah. He the was one of the guys pre- that killed John Wick's dog. Yeah, and he also did Atomic Blonde as well. He's a much he's a very good action director. And like, there's a number of the the wonderful thing about the action here is so much of it is understated. So, for example, there's a really good like it's a very subtle one take thing while Deadpool's delivering his monologue about how this film is really about family, where you've got the camera pulling back through this elaborate stunt work that includes a guy on fire as Deadpool points out <laughs> but you have stuff like carefully choreographed gunshots chainsaws in action swords you there's have one guy just running characters being thrown being knocked and it's all done in one take which is quite impressive characters entering and leaving and it's done very subtly and very effectively but again what Reynolds wanted was he wanted something more comedic and like you're right when you point out that joke about the basic instinct is done so well because you're right it teases that up onto it because so for example there are these really wonderful it, first of all it teases what his bottom legs are going to look like at all you get a lot of the what the hell is that I feel what the hell is that I'm looking at then you see them and they're weird and there's this laugh <laughs> but then then there's a number of like wide shots of him sitting down and the legs are playing with each other so for example like he's scratching one baby leg with the other one and it's really <laughs> uncomfortable and awkward because the scene is like carrying on with mm. the dialogue and exposition regardless and then you get the basic instinct scene and it's just a perfectly paced and then joke I'm getting up I'm yeah. walking <laughs> towards Cable yeah. with these baby legs and seeing his baby doing ass yeah. look at him he's doing there's his... something hilarious about naked baby yeah, and, and, and again, the structure of the joke is fantastic because you see him from the like from the shoulder up pulling himself across. So you you get a sense of what's coming. Then you see him from over his shoulder waddling. So you get like the height thing that's going on, the difference between himself and Gable. Then then you get the wide shot, yeah. which gives you the baby ass. I will. I hate. I really hate that I'm this guy this week. Um, I found some of those jokes were predictable. Um, and were kind of drawn from the previous film. Like you have baby hands in the first film, yeah. baby legs in this one. Yeah. You have Juggernaut he, fighting he even... your one uh, Gina Torres in the first one. You, have, you sorry, not Juggernaut. You have Colossus fighting Gina Torres's character in the first one. Yeah. You have Colossus once again being used as the, the guy to fight Juggernaut. CGI fist fight. Yeah, CGI fist fight. He makes the he makes the dick joke with when when he has the baby hand that like yeah. It, Makes it, it seem it's just, bigger. I, yeah. I, I don't know how. I, like, I mean, to me, it's sad because I want to enjoy this as much. Like, and I did find that scene funny, but it's just like, it's just a, it's just another twist on the same joke. And I wonder if there's a third one, 
how and there likely will well, this be this is a comedy sequel thing where you're wondering like how much of it is homage and callback and how much of it's original like this is an issue of comedy sequels in general although I did and I hate that I'm the one that keeps bringing down well, the, no 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 it's fair it's fair and it's I, I, will, me. I will admit that I actually quite liked some of the continuity of jokes so for example like in the first film there's the moment where Gina Carena's doing the, the jump down from the top of the helicarrier oh and Gina Torres yeah excuse and, me and Deadpool is like she's gonna do the superhero landing and then in the second one, he does the superhero landing. He's like, that's really bad on the knees. <laughs> I, th- I thought that when he jumped out of the window yeah, that's... Um, at the beginning. Yeah. Um, well, he... I, I was thinking, oi. Yeah. No, but instead he um... just lands on the car. Yeah, but yeah. you're like, this is not the moment to make that no, meditation not... superhero. Um, but yeah, I think that I actually, I quite like, there were a number of other sort of references that played mm. quite well as yeah. well. Because they, they, they... Joe Pinder's also, the, the beat is that he runs into Pinder in the first, in the first like 10 minutes of the film. Yeah. Same in this film as well. Yeah. The first 10 minutes is him and Pinder having a conversation, almost shot for shot, where he's trying to sit and into the front. And he crawls into the and front. And he crawls in, at, you know, ass yeah. to Pinder's face. Yeah. And, and it's, just... And it's this thing as well that uh, kind of like the... Um, Dopinder is seemingly innocent, but the reveal is that he's very troubled. <laughs> like, like, it's, um, like it's an onion, and, it's an onion um, of evil. He's getting very, more and more yeah, evil. Yeah. As it that he is perhaps the worst person in this perhaps movie. Perhaps he truly is Fire Fist. Yeah. And in like, the future, it's him. Yeah, he he's a true psychopath. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. You have that sort of contrast between Wade, mm-hmm. who's like, you know, I want to follow in your footsteps, and Wade's like, that's the most touching thing I ever heard. I want to become a contract killer. I what? want to. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and then, um, the, the metaphor from Interview with a Vampire, which is was like, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want you to imagine me as your ten-year-old Kirsten Dunst. Thank you, Tom Cruise. Thank you, Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> yeah. Kirsten, Kirsten. Uh, but uh, like. Again, and it's it's a very fine line to walk. I mean, I think that they're, I didn't like, I don't think that the first movie is a particularly hilarious comedy. I think it's funny enough that it works. Mm. I think it, it works best as a standard conventional superhero narrative, as in like no frills. Like the the best thing that you can say about the original Deadpool, I would argue, is that it is a much 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 better version of X Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah. In that it's basically a story about a guy who submits himself to a bunch of experiments that turn him into a monster, tries to regain his humanity and reconnect with the woman he lost. Which is the basic plot of, of X-Men Origins. It really is. Yep, except it's done much, much better. Much better. This is pretty much the same plot as Logan, which is that this it's the story about this guy out. who... And they, they acknowledge at the start with the little ornament of Wolverine on, on the tree branch and pale. But even at the end, when he's dying... That music is the same music that plays over the scene between Logan and Laura. It is not. It is, yeah. Oh my god. Well, that's the wonders of being the same production company. You can recycle the music. But even like the basic plot of the oh. film, which is this character who sees himself as a loner who's lost everything that matters to him in the world, who's become disconnected, finds himself stranded with a young child who for some reason idolizes him, but he initially pushes her away, pushes them away because he doesn't want that emotional connection, and then realizes that he has to basically serve as a role model in order to make that person mm. better and to protect that person. That's the basic arc of Logan. Now, the issue is that, like, Deadpool was a much, much better version of X-Men Origins Wolverine. Deadpool 2 is a much, much, much less good version of Logan. Now, Logan is a great film, so I think it, it works reasonably yeah. well. But, it like, these are very, very, very conventional movies when you peel off the layers of the jokes and the self-awareness aspect of it. In fact, I think, like... Sorry, these are very, very conventional movies... One, once once you ignore all of the non-conventional <laughs> aspects of it. Oh, okay. Is it... Uh, I, I mean, um, yes. 
Yeah. <laughs> when you define if, it, if in, you ignore how unconventional it is, it's, it's quite very conventional. conventional. It becomes a very conventional yeah. movie. Okay, well, I, but the thing is, I, I think even those points aren't that ridiculously unconventional. Like, I mean, there are some very good jokes in them. They're very wry. They're very self-aware. We'll talk a little bit about the closing credit scene maybe later on because I think Love that's that. that's a fantastic sequence. But mm. like, generally speaking, like the Deadpool movies have like one or two really, really, really great jokes. And so, for example, here I think the the parachute sequence of the X Force is fantastic. I think the baby leg sequence is amazing but by and large it's a lot of like witty asides and, and one-liners mm. um, and like obviously the breaking of the fourth I thought, wall but... I thought the, 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 the moment where you see all, all of the um, kind of uh, uh, McAvoy X-Men yeah, oh, that, that was, was amazing the cameo was actually really good the... um, particularly because it was like it's, it's, again that's that's an escalation of a joke from the first yeah. film because in the first film he like that's what kind of made it slightly predictable for me because I was like they're going to be there because they're escalating the joke, they're going to be there. But again, and you have to put Nicholas Holt in beast makeup to get that joke. And you're yeah, like, there's no, way they're Holt. Doing, there's no way they're doing that for like a one moment punchline. Yeah, so they even had like, what was it? They had Quicksilver, uh, Beast. Uh, they had Cyclops. Cyclops um, they had Professor McAvoy X. as well. Yeah, McAvoy bald. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you think they were filming that? Pro- do you think they shot that scene <laughs> during... I during they Phoenix, did it during Phoenix, because yeah. well, Phoenix is already finished. Phoenix yeah. has just been pushed back, much like New Mutants. And there were, I'm trying to remember. You pointed out Jubilee was there. I think Jubilee was yeah, there. Yeah, there had to be because the, then it's just all the guys were there. Yeah, no, so, but I, I mean, that's again, that's an escalation of a joke from the first one, but it's an escalation that I think works relatively well because it works in the context of the film if you haven't seen the first film. Yeah, like because it works, it works very it well. Where like, they never here? Yeah, well, it's it's a very it's your standard like social punchline. Mm. It's like. God, this situation is awful. Why isn't this thing happening for me? People are... These people are terrible, but they can't hear me. And then it's like, oh, turns out they actually can yeah. hear you. That's the joke. But if yeah. you've seen the first film, it's like, hey... My, my, my yeah. head canon for that scene was, whenever he comes over, they just hide. Yeah, well... That, that is my head canon for that. I don't class. think that's yeah. head canon. I think that's that's the scene. Um, yeah, it's awkward. Yeah, it's <laughs> you know? Because he's, when, like, he's when like the Deadpool crazy calls around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, um, nobody likes Deadpool except for Colossus, um, who has yeah. this soft spot. I actually, I really like Colossus as the straight man in these movies, and I like him as this representation of like PG thirteen superhero. Yeah. Movies, the point where, like, at the end, the joke is getting him to say the f word. Go on, swear, yeah. and Go it's on, like you're, you're going straight to hell. Do it, Darren. Um, yeah, uh, I'm not. Do it, Darren. Um, wait, am I the Colossus of this yeah. podcast? Yeah, you represent. Yeah. <laughs> I represent the standard podcast. You represent the PG thirteen uh, nature of this podcast. But yeah, no, I mean, say it, do it. <laughs> yeah. no, we're, not, we're stopping now. We're stopping until you swear. <laughs> we're not going. We're not going to go <laughs> you, you can say it. it, but you're gonna say it. I feel like you've cursed before. I have right? cursed have you? Yeah. I think it was on Justice League. <laughs> Just in general, I think, I think it was on Justice League. I, I like that Andrew's like. I feel like I've heard you swear before in some on the podcast. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> do it. Well. That's just lazy writing. Yeah. But yeah. Um, you got to hell. I, 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 I to hell. But I like that Colossus is like the embodiment of that. And even like the bit at the end where he has the obligatory CGI fight scene, mm. which is like the standard thing that you need in a superhero beat. And I love that during that sequence, a lot of what happens with Juggernaut, who's like this big event, like Deadpool's basically like, oh my God, we got the rights to Juggernaut. Juggernaut's like this big event <laughs> thing. And he's oh my God, you're just a huge fan. Yeah. But he's in the background. Like there's the wonderful sequence where when Colossus is picking up Deadpool, and holding him you have in the background this like gigantic CGI yeah. husk throwing around like Halo. Josh Brolin like yeah. he's a midget you know I I would have liked and this is just an aesthetic thing for me I wish he was in his red uniform this is the second time he's been in grey I mean, the last time we had him, he was this in that is... awful X-Men 3 as Vinnie Jones yeah. this time around we got a suitable slide suitable 
Um, no, well, he was wearing a prison outfit, and on top he was wearing his helmet. Yeah. Um, I kind of wish that he had he had, had his you know his red his red armor. You know who played him, by the way? Who? Because he's credited as himself in the in yeah, the credits. Yeah. It's Juggernaut as himself. Alvis is a CGI character, but the likeness was provided by both David Leach, the director, and Ryan Reynolds. And apparently the voice was Ryan Reynolds, oh. uh, interestingly enough. Um, also, the theme, which I think Graham picked up oh, on. Oh, the which theme is, is amazing. Which the theme is fantastic. Which is <laughs> yes, just, yeah, yeah. Just, 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 I, I, just I, I, an I, I, operatic I, screaming, look or not. Oh, well, there was also other parts of <laughs> oh, that. Oh, yeah, there was Yeah, which we can't oh. yeah, really include in the no. podcast, but we may play in the background so <laughs> listeners with a discerning ear can hear what's being sung. That was, again, that was written by Reynolds and Leach while they had the choir in recording. And it was like, by the way, can they just read these lines? Um, and yeah, and, and like the if you read the the um, the yeah, soundtrack, the orchestra. but if you read the soundtrack, right, the soundtrack, actually, the title of that is You Can't Stop This Mother... Well... That's just lazy writing. Uh, which is like, and that's one of the lines that's included because it's, 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 it's actually a song. Um, yeah, I know, I'm going straight to hell. Um, but and again, I, I like that it's sort of it's playful in that sense, in mm. that it's it's like all this stuff that would be, you know, the big sort of centerpiece of a big superhero film is in the background, mm. uh, while you know, while we're dealing with a much I'm, smaller. I suppose there's, just, there's there's there's. And this is where I'm going to get my nerdiest is there are issues with this film that I think certain inclusions of lore and canon could really have improved it. And this is just a weird one for me. I think Firefist could have been a child bishop so that Bishop Bishop then follows Cable back from the from the future and they have a face off here. Bishop from the Monty Python universe. (laughs) Um, From the Aliens universe. We got here too late. And then there's. (laughs) There's also the fact that this is the Essex School of Mutants. That it was sorry, the Essex. Like, what do they call it? Home for youth or something. like yeah, that. Yeah, even though it's even though it's a ho- is a housing for mutants, it's teaching them to be not mutants. Like, that's a con- that's a massive contradiction. It's just the fact that I think that uh, Graham that, is alluding to the fact that Nathaniel Essex, Nathaniel is a Essex, Mister Sinister. Okay, sorry, sorry. It's just we've had how many times has he been teased now? We've had four times, I think, of him being teased. Well, that's isn't Essex uh, County another um, <laughs> county in in, in New England York. as well? Yeah. Oh yeah. That oh be, yeah. That yeah. too. But uh, it goes uh, to uh, Westchester. Uh, yeah. Nathaniel Westchester. Essex is basically a mutant that is that has got connections to Cyclops, uh, Jean Grey, uh, Apocalypse, and and also and, um, Graham like Cable. In the context of this film, I know what would that add. Apart from just a whole bunch of messy connections to characters um, who are disenfranchised, who are not he, involved, he could he could have been he could have been uh, the principal. But then you'd be like, well, they did nothing with the character. They did nothing with a lot of a lot no. of the characters in this. I, okay, but they do nothing with the principal, and yeah. you'd be like, like Shatterstar better, better, got nothing. Better, better to make the principal a kind of um, nobody, a nobody who you're but not familiar two, with. That's the two films now having no real villains. Like Francis is a not great villain. Like he's boring. And in this, we... Oh, we're talking about Francis from Deadpool. Yeah, Deadpool. I don't think they're going to stop making comic book (laughs) movies. So it may be that that there is room somewhere for... I think we we might even see uh, characters from this movie who've died come come back. Because, I mean, it's like, again, this isn't even our first Deadpool. I mean, yeah, we had a Deadpool in... in, in, Wolverine. Oh, I just wanted to point this out. This is just me. So, you know how the X-Men are hiding from Deadpool? And it's the current generation of X-Men? I know, that's current. Wise, that's current time. Time-wise, that, it that's, makes no sense. That's the present. 
Yeah, what's up? Yeah, and, I know. Yeah, and it's strange that... And it's, yeah. and it's not Patrick Stewart, it's... James it's, it's James Even though in a later scene, even though in a later scene... He says it smells like... It Patrick. smells like Patrick Stewart! And again, it doesn't make sense, well, but they're I, coming I like in. Uh, they're uh, obvi- obviously, um, they're they're mixing and matching yeah. um, a, li- a, a little bit in, 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 in the Institute. It feels and, like, and, like every, just... every, every, every Everybody realises that they're not the same person because they don't look alike. At all. But all of the students are kind of like, there's Professor X. And it's like, wait a second. <laughs> 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 look like We've that. got Patrick oh, Stewart stowed away let me, in one of the closets. Let me, let me tell you. Come on. <laughs> it's like yeah. James Bond. Nobody really explains yeah. how it works. You just know that it does. Yeah. But again, I like that it does without like being unnecessarily complicated. Yeah. Like that's the thing. And again, this is the issue. with say? And again, you point out Mr. Sinister. There were rumors for a while that Mr. Sinister was going, be John to, Hamm. was going. Well, no, was going to be the villain in Logan. He was going to be the villain who ended yeah. up being played by Russell E. Grant, but was originally going to be played by Brian Cranston. Yeah. And it's like, what would that add to the movie? Yeah. There was even rumors that Mr. Sinister was going to be in Legion at one point. Yeah, but again, what would that add to the to the movie? Like, what would that what would that add in terms of quality apart from well, giving it a Lynn Joker know. reference? Well, I suppose, honestly, we'll never know what he would add because yeah. we'll I mean, never see it. But I mean, like, this is the issue with X-Men 3. Like, we want to go back to when the franchise didn't work. X-Men 3 crammed in all these continuity references it had a version of like Psylocke in there for example Quill uh, all these characters um, Kid Omega yeah Kid Omega for example uh, characters that Andrew like Andrew's looking at me with glassy <laughs> like eyes like yeah and it's like those are just pure fan service and they don't serve anything in terms of the plot they're just there so that you can point them and go that's something from uh, the comics I would just say that in the detriment to Deadpool 2 they replace the fan service um, with pop culture references counterpoint to that I actually there was a whole bunch of really really good inside jokes that weren't yeah. intrusive yeah. so for example the sequence where Deadpool's complaining about Domino and her superpower of luck and he's like whoever came up with that probably can't even draw feet and I was like I'm the one person who gets that I was surprised that I that and I M Day is here that was a lovely touch yeah. I was surprised that, that that I got that reference did you, I, did think, you? I, I, I think maybe Darren had revealed uh, <laughs> on an earlier occasion and it had just stuck with me that there, that there was a, uh, an artist who couldn't draw feet. Rob Layfield, the first artist who appeared in his own Levi's commercial, which we include in the show notes, directed by Spike <laughs> Lee. The 90s were a very, very strange time, as I think we keep mentioning when we discuss X-Men uh, movies on this podcast. But yeah, I, I, like that's the thing. I quite liked that aspect of it. Like I felt like that stuff wasn't intrusive. Mm-hmm. I felt like that stuff wasn't... like Because if you don't get that, that's just a really weird thing that he said, as opposed to having like... Mr. Yeah. Sinister, you, and you're like, you could what? try to kind of parse that and make sense of it, and you, you just would. It just seems absurd. You'd be like, what? What? I don't, I don't get it, but I'm laughing because <laughs> I love that. I don't get it, but it's I'm such, laughing. Such an incongruous thing. It's like Shatterstar, right? Shatterstar in this has this whole big spiel about how he's from like an alien planet known as Mojo World, where he's better than anybody else. And you're like, this is an overly complicated backstory. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. It has matter. a very non-complicated end. Yeah. But again, like, I like little things like that, where it's like, this is like, X-Men continuity is so complicated and messy that it's like, you know, we can... Oh, inc- sure, oh, it's complicated right now. Like, we've got past versions of the X-Men in current continuity, and it's soon going to be taken out. It's weird. I was surprised I um... I suppose. Well, I, I, I guess I'm, I guess I'm hearing more of this from, from uh, Graham. Oh, no. um, I, I was surprised that there wasn't more of the kind of. Um, I suppose the, the, the um, there's different kinds of um, fandom 
that 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 neither of you had the reaction of um, oh I was really excited when it was X Force because I, I I believe from 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 what um, from perusing um, <laughs> Darren's library that X Force is a big, it's a big team yeah, yeah they're a big yeah. team and 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 to to that that there would have been a certain amo- am- amount of uh, fanish excitement oh, when was. when when you saw oh the X Force are in this movie I love X Force I can't wait to see what they do with it <laughs> um, and and I think it's refreshing I I guess that didn't react with a, a, a an over <laughs> amount of glee suppose, um, no, no, but like the last Jedi when people are like oh my god my childhood's been ruined because Luke is a different character yeah. than I imagined him to be. And that yeah. that sort of thing. Where it's oh like, my god, oh my he's god, human. They ruined. They ruined X Force. Like, not neither of us went. They ruined. No, X-Force. because I think. The, but I think the reason for me was I have no real connection to the X Force. Like the closest I'd have gotten to them was did they ever show up in the X Men cartoon? I no, mean, I don't think. I don't no, they didn't. I didn't read them as comic books, so I have no real connection to the X Force. That's that's usually with me. If I do have a connection, I actually do get. Ex- I actually get quite excited and to a ridiculous I, amount. I suppose as well, just because Darren owns comic books, yes, and he has X Force, and he has X Force comics that, he li- <laughs> that he's read them or that he likes them. Um, no, okay. Well, like if you want to get super nerdy for a second and want to indulge me, absolutely. Please, be, oh, like it we? might mean anything to me, but I, I'm certain that it'll mean something to somebody. somebody somewhere yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah just in terms of like the X-Force right which is this thing that was created by uh, Fabi Nisha and, and Rob Layfield Layfield who created Deadpool and, and Nisha who also wrote him it was this concept of like an extreme 90s version of the X-Men where they murdered people and were led by Cable who was the Terminator but also Cyclops' son or whatever right which is this this big thing that was like in many ways everything that's wrong with 90s comic books but it's also kind of enjoyable in its mm. own terms as like a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie but the thing with X-Force is that it's been, because it's a B-list property, it's been reinvented countless times over the years. So everybody will have their own favorite, different favorite version of it. So for example, I quite like the version from 2000, written by Peter Milligan and drawn by Mike Allred, which is the version uh, which is basically mutants as celebrities. It updates the idea of mutants as a metaphor for race mm. and looks at stuff like cultural appropriation. It looks at stuff like, for example, how people, how athletes, um, particularly athletes who are minorities, are treated in the press. There's a moment where, for example, Princess Diana joins the team uh, at one moment in time as a celebrity. They're reality television stars. Mm. Sort of Sorry, met- is this in uh, yeah, a- after her yes, death? Yes, yes. This was usually controversial. The, the British royal family were not best pleased with it. Mm. But they, yeah, they were reading comics at the <laughs> breakfast table. <laughs> and Prince Charles was like, well, this won't do at all. Their monocle fell out yeah. of his eye. But I mean, the thing is life. that... It's very clear that they're not paying us enough to, to, <laughs> to put up with this nonsense. Tax the economy. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing: it's very clear watching Deadpool that even if they don't make the references, the writers have read the stuff. So, for example, that joke about X Force dying all very suddenly at the right. end of like a very brief introduction. Like, that's how Zeitgeist is introduced in the comics. He's leading a bunch of X-Force, having recently stolen the name from Cable. Leads this bunch of team that's introduced. You get to know them over the course of 24 pages. And at the end of the first issue, they're all brutally murdered. Um, and it's a punchline. That, that's the punchline. It's a really cruel mm. punchline, but it's a 24-page punchline. Mm. One of the best comics Marvel's ever published. And I suspect that was an influence here. Yeah. You have, for example... Uncanny X-Force, which is the version written by Rick Remender from 2012, which basically is... 
from that weird stage uh, of X-Men continuity overseen by like Matt Fraction and Ed Brubaker, where the X-Men became this metaphor for Israel, where they became this sort of militant, yeah. defensive, sort of enclosed society that were proactively dealing with foreign threats and, and sort of enforcing their borders mm. and boundaries between themselves and other populations. But during that run, um, and basically X-Force during that run was basically what if you had a mutant Mossad, which proactively dealt with sort of threats. Yeah, like, I believe I know this X-Force. This is maybe my X-Force. It's... Archangel, no, it's oh, oh no, yeah, it is, yeah. yeah, Archangel, Wolverine, Deadpool, Psylocke, and Mister Negative. Uh, no, not Mister Negative. But who's yeah. the who's the final member? Phantom X. Phantom X. Yeah, those were that's my kind of uh, team. They were in all black and grey, which they allude to a little bit with Deadpool well, in the, the black and grey in the end of the film. But that's the thing. That run very much informs this film because the central basis. <laughs> It's responsible for a lot of the characterization of Deadpool as he exists as a comic book character today, where he was drafted onto the team as the comic relief in mm. many ways, shape, or form, because obviously he's the postmodern, self-aware, fourth-wall-breaking superhero, right? And over the course of the 30-odd issues, what Remender does with the character that's fascinating is he turns him from this sort of punchline, this wry, smarmy character who points out like all flippantly all the cliches that they're, they're playing through. He becomes this weird heart of the team, and the central arc of his journey through those 30-odd issues is this idea of connecting with a mutant who is, and again, comic continuity, people, is a child version of the character who will become Apocalypse. Ah, uh, Kid and Apocalypse. Kid Apocalypse. But he's basically, he's going to grow up and he's going to become a super villain. And what happens is over the course of those issues, all the other characters are conflicted. They have no idea what to do with this character. Should they kill him because he's going to become a threat? Should they lock him up? What should they do with him? But Deadpool's arc over those 38 issues is to basically become his uncle figure, his father figure, and to become his moral compass against all odds. And it's a recurring joke. It's a very cruel joke that recurs throughout the run, but pays off at the end, where all the other characters think that Wade Wilson is, or Deadpool is this completely amoral, self-centered, like, mercenary who will kill anybody for the right amount of money and in the end it turns out that actually he's, he's got a you know a decent moral compass and he's the one who provides this moral compass for the young child and i suspect reading interviews and, and looking at the film itself that, that was a major influence well, on the film to be. yeah yeah from everything you've said about the uh, comic book and from from everything i've seen in the movie <laughs> yeah that, that 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 seems to be hugely influential i i would there's a part of me that goes, they should have done that. That Fire Fist should have been Kid Apocalypse. But you and the principal should have been... But you can't do that because you've got to do all this messy continuity. So you got to explain... I, but Apocalypse Apoc exists. But Apocalypse has already happened. But the, who cares about Apocalypse? Nobody really liked Apocalypse. Yeah. And it, it's a messy movie. And trying to tie it, it in... Is, it is unusual to me as an outsider, knowing knowing that this there's this kind of rich world. I am surprised that... Uh, uh, Firefist wasn't an existing character. Yeah, yeah. That I was it, like, "Is um, it magma?" And I was like, "Nope, nope, it's not. This is Firefist." Because you even expect the likes of Peter to to be, <laughs> have, to, be some basis. to have some basis in the comic books. Um, he might come into it now. Graham, Graham. I remember when I I saw this before Graham did. I think Graham missed the press yeah. screening. Yeah. And Graham asked me repeatedly. Well, you didn't ask me, but you sort of alluded to the idea that you thought that he was going to be somebody. Yeah, somebody big. Yeah, that you thought that there was going to be some sort of secret reveal that it would turn out to be um, that it would turn out to I be mean, like Mystique or something in disguise. Yeah, yeah. All right. I suppose one way totally one, one way of doing it is 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 that they uh, go go along to this and that he's. 
I don't know, blasted by uh, something or sacrifices himself in some sort of vat of, <laughs> of chemical. Of, of chemical or he's like the most powerful then, member of the team. Yeah, yeah, it comes out of like this kind of. Uh, it, it's like the 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 nuclear reactor is about to go off. We can't stop it now. It's too late. Well, there's one way. <laughs> and, and then it's like, no, Peter, don't. You're a human. You will never survive. No, you sugar bear. You, you, can't, you can't be a superhero. But let's. Yeah. Let's talk very, very briefly then about the ending of the film and the post credit scenes, um, which are apparently, um, they're considered in continuity. So Deadpool goes back. First of all, he saves Peter, the, the movie's breakout character. And yeah. I actually, I, I cheered a little bit when that happened because I love Peter. Peter's fantastic. Um, and I really hope that maybe we see more of him. I'd like a Peter spinoff, actually, uh, which is just him. Doing he he clearly stuff. had the time and he did not save the rest of them. Like, he clearly had the time. Yeah, well, he very clearly has a favourite. And also, Shatterstar is a bit of a dick. Um, but yeah. No, 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 Dyke Dice and Terry Crews. Yeah, it reminds me of Rick. Um, <laughs> Rick and Morty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and his, his love for, what was the name of that character again? Which one? The, in, the, um, in the Avengers kind of spoof. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes, the one that he keeps saving. I can't yeah, remember which yeah. one it is. Um, but yeah, and there's, there's, <laughs> there's an aspect of that too. But it also allows and this is funny because andrew you talked about the film having its cake and eating it yeah because it allows it to go back and to undo the fridging of vanessa yeah it did um it's the first thing it's is it the first thing it's I the first thing oh, he, does. He, does, he, he does it first and then he hops forward to save yeah. peter um interesting enough do you know that they shot well first of all they shot lots of material they didn't use and they planned to do lots of material they didn't use so for example the team that was originally going to be x-force they wanted to get and apparently chris Chris Evans was open to this. They wanted to get Chris Evans to pop up and have them be like, oh my God, it's, you know who this is. Oh, he's going to join the team. It's going to be fantastic. And then reveal that he was the human torch from the Fantastic Four movies. And then be like, what do you ah. do? <laughs> and just goes, flame on. Yeah. Nope, no, nope, no, nope, veto, nope. hard veto. Um, and they were also... Amazing. Yeah, yeah that, 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 and I, I can imagine Chris would be up for Oh that. no, you yeah. can you can totally tell. And yeah. they also... I, I, I'm disappointed they didn't. Yeah, <laughs> Little bit. One one wonders if yeah, if if mm. Disney were kind of meddling in that. And then as well. the and then the final one. The uh, sorry, there was two more. There, there was, was two a, more. There was another one that was cut, which was for example the he was going to actually the, the final shot of the film, and this didn't test very well, so they cut it from the actual theatrical release. Was going to be Deadpool arriving in Germany at the turn of the twentieth century, standing over a crib with a gun and going hi hi Adolf, uh, but apparently. The idea of infanticide committed by Deadpool didn't quite land with target or with test I audiences think they should have done it. as much as they thought they think would. They should have done it. Well, I, I think these days there's a lot of sympathy for Adolf Hitler. <laughs> there certainly is. Yeah, so <laughs> the they, you, back you, in a big you have to consider that market. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and it, what there's the last two. Got what other two? Huh? Uh, there's the one where they show a scene from Wolverine Origin. <laughs> Oh yeah, and he kills the other Deadpool. Yeah, which is very cathartic. Oh, it's so cathartic. And it's I the 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 bit I the bit that really um, sold it for me, and one of the probably big laughs of the movie was was seeing um, uh, Ryan Reynolds <laughs> getting murdered with the with, with the, the Green, Green Lantern, Lantern shirt. And like I've never seen Green Lantern, but I know it was not uh, the, apparently. But the hilarious thing about that was was the kind of. 
um, smug hopefulness of, of <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Reynolds and welcome and, to the big leagues. Yeah, welcome to the big <laughs> Did leagues. Did you see Warner Brothers and response? the smile on his face? Warner Brothers had a response. Yeah, they should have yeah. put a ring on it. Wasn't no, it? no, no. Warner Brothers had a picture of Tom Ari with his hand out saying, "We'd like a ring back, please." Well, yeah, well, uh, <laughs> Reynolds has talked about this because he, he does feel a little uncomfortable joking about it in part because people work so hard on the movie and you're yeah. like, oh, Ryan, you like, seem like Greg such Berlanti, a nice guy. Like Greg Berlanti, who has made the CW as successful as it is. That was Greg Berlanti's film. Yeah. And like, Taika yeah. Waititi's in that film. And yeah. As his, as his American friend. As Yeah, as his very problematic friend from the comics. But we won't talk about that. No, we won't talk about that friend. Uh, we should do that. <laughs> <laughs> just watch it. Just watch it. Since, if you want to watch on Speaking we Geek, we can Superman do it. V- <laughs> Batman versus Batman it's v- not on the Superman same level. And, uh, uh, oh, is it better or worse? <laughs> it's, oh, I hate you. <laughs> I like this. We should do like a regular DC cinema with, with Graham. Oh, we, watch stuff like, we work our way backwards. We do Shazam eventually starring, what's his, no, not Shazam, Steel, starring, um, oh, yeah, starring Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, Shaquille O'Neal. Or Kazam, where he's a, where he's a, a genie. A genie. Does that actually exist? Isn't Steel? Some, Steel? Yeah. Oh no, Kazam. Kazam, yeah, yeah. I thought Kazam was made up. That's the one with No, I've seen that. Oh, okay. I watched it. Okay, because wasn't there this was thing kid. that went round a little while no, ago? No, I watched okay. it. I watched it. It was not a good film. Alright. But yeah, so. Even then. But I that's didn't... not part of the, the DC universe. No, so Steel. We would only watch Steel. Um, yeah, Steel. And Superman 4, maybe. And Superman Returns. Yeah. Oh, Superman Returns. So much to talk about there. I yeah. love. The, the, is, is that the. I actually would like to talk about that. Is that the Richard Pryor movie? That's Superman 3. Because that's great. That's too good. I actually like that's that. So I actually, good. That's so good. I actually, good I actually like that. Um, oh, it's great fun. Yeah. I love that, I love that my podcast is the dumping ground for your film hey, watching. Hey, <laughs> Graham, Graham, Graham. But yeah, um, yeah you didn't bad, finish there. You didn't bad finish bad there. You movies saying Graham. Without, <laughs> without sort of adding more to it. But um, in terms of, aside from that, I quite like the celebrity cameos here, actually. I thought they were very funny. The, what, um, you mean like Terry Crews? No, no, no. I'm Brad talking about Pitt? Brad Pitt. Is the oh, big Brad one. Pitt was real. Bad Pitt, when I saw it, I was like, I actually audibly went, what? Yeah. Like, I was just, I couldn't believe Manisher, it. the invisible member of the team who only becomes visible for a split second when he, when dies. he lands on a bunch of power wires, which was quite nice. That's a really good That means that his power isn't, isn't just, like, standard. It means that he's got that power turned on. Yeah. Because <laughs> Well, I mean, if you were invisible, I mean, and you looked like Brad Pitt, you'd want to hide from the world too, Yeah, what right? the hell, man? Um, and also, did you spot the other one? The other big celebrity cameo in there. Is this someone done up in CGI or anything? No. No? Under heavy makeup, though. So you know in the sequence where... You know the Terminator sequence where uh, Cable travels back in time? Yes. And where he finds the two hillbillies, right? One of those hillbillies is played by Alan Tudyk, yes. right? Do you know who played the other one? No. Who is Matt it? Damon. What? Matt, Matt Damon is the, the hillbilly who talks about how to wipe your ass properly. He has this big extended monologue about how, you know, the secret is to do it with a moisture wipe and then you sort of, you dry yeah. up and then you give yourself a blow and glow for about 30 seconds and that's if the way you, to do yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if you have a hairdryer in the bathroom, who has a hair, who, who has a plug? In the in, except for those yeah. little ones you see sometimes uh, for like the shaver. Yeah. Well, yeah. is that not what hair dryers plug into? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't. I don't give myself a blow and glow, um, <laughs> but apparently I should. Listening to Hilda Matt Damon, no. but he's buried under makeup, 
Is, uh, that, is that a new thing that Matt Damon's doing in his career? He's just going to pop himself into every cameo. superhero film as weird roles? Yeah, because, but uh, to be fair, the reason that he Ragnarok. did Thor, yeah, the reason yeah. that he did Thor was because obviously he sort of, he'd become friends with, was it the Hemsworth brothers? So yeah. he sort of hung out with yeah, them? Yeah, he's become friends with them. Yeah, so I don't know what it was that drew him to Deadpool, but I just, I, I only discovered this after the fact. I hadn't registered that. I hadn't even How registered How did Kimmel that. not get in there? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's it, so it's a really cool cameo. And it's actually it's a it's a cameo that's legitimately good as opposed to being yeah. sort of something that distracts you from the movie. I mean, did Alan Tudyk say anything in the film? Yeah, yeah, he did. did. He, he, said, he had like one line. He had about a line before he got that's shot. Sad. Yeah, because he's genuinely funny. Well, he is. Well, I mean, he's he's playing the sort. I think he's playing the same sort of character he played in Ducker and Dale versus Evil. Um, oh, I'd hate that because Dale was lovely. No, okay, but the same sort of character. Yeah. The same sort of like um, hillbilly, almost hillbilly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Sons of the Soil. That's right, Ace. Yeah. Um, what do we call what? That's racist. All right. Okay. What? Uh, I don't get <laughs> it. I don't get it. Either. No, the, the, um, oh, racist. The, yeah. Oh. oh, okay. Sorry, it took me a second to peg the accent and then to decode that. No, I mean, no, look, the, easy up there. Easy yeah, up there, yeah, Cable. Yeah. Um, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that one day you'll judge people. I don't actually. <laughs> no. I, I, I don't turn, actually turn feel that way. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so is there anything else? Well, it's funny, to... there was that, sorry. No, 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 it just reminded me of that movie, kind of, uh, no, no, never mind. No, go for it, remind you the, Was it Wag the Dog, where it's like Billy Bob Thornton talking about being like a, a proud redneck, and, or hillbilly, and that it, it's, um, um, he, like, because he's being chastised for it. Oh, right. so you were sort of wondering if that was something there with the... I this is going nowhere. <laughs> um, is there anything else in terms of the movie that we haven't talked about already that we want to talk about? Oh, there's the yes, yeah, so the having the cake and eat it with the resurrection of Vanessa, where it's mm. like again, this is the thing where the movie is not. A, I'm not sure the movie's as self aware as it thinks it is. Where it's like this is a way of sort of getting out of the controversy of having killed your lead female character in order to motivate your lead male Some character. Some would say your only female character. Well, de- Domino. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't you, motivate mm. the character in a way that's compelling to the viewer. Yeah. yeah. So the like it it's it's arguable also, how it's, sorry it's a weird motivation for him. It's his motivation for the film is to kill himself. I quite like that the motivations are primarily internal as opposed to external. Mm. So it's it's the conflict within Deadpool where yeah. he's trying to kill himself but he has to learn to be part of a family. Yeah. Or it's it's within, you know, Firefist where he has to learn not to like murder the people who've wronged him. Yeah. Uh, and I like that the journeys are primarily internalized in some ways, which is good because I feel like there's enough external action going on there. Like, I mean, there are, there have been obviously superhero movies in the past that have suffered from like a deficit of villains. And and the writers, when they sat down to write this, were very conscious, like that they didn't want too many villains crowding them out. I, I think this does a better job of managing its conflicts than a lot of, say, the Marvel movies, where you have, like, Chris Reckleson's character in Thor The Dark World, to pick an example. Yeah. But even, I mean, other X-Men... I think we had two villains in this. Yeah. But, you, no, you know... Juggernaut was I, one, I, I, and then the other two were at halves. No, I feel like you undermine that. Like, I, 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 I didn't really think of Juggernaut as a as a villain. What, no. is, what has he done that's He's a bad? henchman, yeah. He's yeah, a, he's it, a, it, he, he, was, he was in prison. Yeah. Uh, and then he's broken out of prison. Then he's helping... The um, Russell and again, Russell. not really a villain. Russell, yeah. he's like the 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 kind of person that we're sort of rooting for. You're and rooting the, for Russell. Well, I mean, you're always sympathetic to him at the very yeah, least because he's been abused. No, you're what you like, you, you want least. you want like his revenge story makes a lot more sense than than Deadpool's. 
Because he he's he's, he's getting back. But well, Deadpool's peak. avenging himself against himself. Yeah. Deadpool oh, okay, holds yeah, himself yeah. responsible. Sorry, yeah, actually. So Whereas like Russell it's, it's, is avenging himself on the people who abused yeah. him. Um, yeah. And I, f- I like I feel like that's relatively good. I feel so, like the character motivations are fairly straightforward. That's probably because you again. This is something I say to Jay, but he's like seen too ma- too many movies where 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 um, it's more palatable for you not to have a villain than than to have a villain. Where whereas for I think for most movie goers, it's helpful to to no, to have a villain good. because it 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 kind of. Um, gives you a sense of um, play, have, having a role, I guess, in the movie, or or it, it gives you an idea of what you want, like from the movie, you know. But I I, I understand that, and I, but I think though, like I think that in fairness to Deadpool two, and again, I worry that I'm being overprotective of it because like I really really liked it, I didn't love it, I don't think it's one of the best movies of the year or anything like that, mm, yeah. but I. I, it's weird that like what I like about it is its relative simplicity and and that I mean the criticisms from yourself and Graham are that it, it it's muddled and unfocused which is is weird yeah. because I would say it's not simplicity I would say it's laziness because you can be simple and I know a lot I of simple stories that are really straightforward either. that yeah, work I, I think it does interesting things but I think it does them to 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 the detriment of the um uh the st- structural kind of payoff, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, and this is the thing. I, I actually find it very straightforward. I find it's, I I don't know, maybe, maybe it's, it's, maybe it's because I, and maybe you're right, it is because I'm jaded or whatever. Not jaded, but that's <laughs> not fair. I don't know. I, 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 I'm not jaded. Um, I just, I, no, no, but I, that I've seen so many movies that I'm like, I can intuit, I can maybe intuit the arcs a little bit, but I also, maybe can can read between not read between the lines because that sounds condescending but that i'm you know i'm familiar enough with the beats and i've seen so many movies that it's it's kind of interesting to see an almost back to basics approach in some ways and this is like this to me and, and is this why like, you say it's kind of like an 80s action because it's gone right back to well it is gone right back to like i mean like even in terms of say the fridging of female characters in superhero movies, generally it, don't really it, do it that does, anymore. Does, does, no, no, because it's, again, it's though, it does it does it in a way that's that's very um, um, unusual and um, and doesn't really add to the the uh, tension of, I mean, of, of 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 the movie because in in eighties um, action movies when they fridge a character. It's manipulative, but it it works as manipulation. Yeah. In 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 this, it's um kind of seemingly manipulative, but then you realize that w- w- what that's motivating in the character is not going to motivate. Uh, is not going to be like I say. It's not going to be compelling to the viewer, mm. like whatsoever. Which 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 which, which is what makes those eighties action movies compelling. In like like in a, in in a very simple way, and 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 I kind of argue, I guess, with the simplicity of this movie because because it's 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 making it's making kind of simple kind of choices like for example, uh, fridging the the the, the female Vanessa. love interest, and but then completely um, undercutting that, and you're 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 kind of like so. So the purpose of 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 that of 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 that act is to set is to set up something that you've now pulled away, 
and then and then like other examples like you're setting up the x-force and it's like oh this is very conventional yeah and then and then you pull that away so the, the i don't i don't understand the well I, I think i understand to an extent what you're saying about simplicity but the it, 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 i i i think more than being uh simple it was trying to be um clever and okay. and and I, I i think like you can you you can tell a story that's that's a little different but get away from what makes stories stories well i mean when i say simple i mean simple in the way that like to pick an example that we've already picked on the podcast john wick Mm. Where it does something very like it's very it's a very simple story where the character motivations are all very yeah. straightforward. And the f- first movie a lot better than the second one yeah. for that reason. Yeah. yeah. The, well, okay, I don't know if it's a lot better, but yeah, it is. It is better for that reason, and it does have. And again, it's the killing of the dog which motivates the character arc. Yeah. So it's very clear at every point what the character is doing and what the consequences of that are. I like. I actually think watching Deadpool two, the character motivations are fairly straightforward and consistent all the way through in mm. terms of like cable again he's he's got a dead wife and child which is like your stock action movie backstory there's no real development there you don't get to know them as people they're more abstract concepts but it gives him a clear motivation in what he's doing and explains a lot about who he is and, and kind of what he's trying to accomplish in a way that you you wouldn't get if you were to do something like say you know the terminator movies which are great in their own right but the terminator movies where it's like we have to do this or else the world is going to end so- and you have like domino who even has her own little small arc where it's like she gets to go back to the school where she's abused. It's not done in a great deal of detail. It could be more developed. It's a but throwaway at least it's, line. But at least it's complete. It feels, it feels yeah. like a throwaway line when she says, oh, and the way that they wash it, the way that they just, just skim it away is the fact that, oh, it's her luck that brought her here. It's, 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 it's again, well, it's, luck, her luck is, is like a, a, you know, a narrative tool. Her luck is basically being an instrument of the yeah. story. It's like, it's like, again, I'm, you know, she's a character who basically is preferenced by the narrative yeah. because it's her power to be preferenced by the narrative. I'd say Cable wasn't given a lot of character. He was given a motive, but he wasn't given a lot of character because I, I felt he was very, very flat. Like he was, I, yeah, he was, he was, he was definitely an 80s action, go, yeah. action hero in the sense that he wasn't particularly well written he has one motivation and you know what he, he doesn't he didn't i know andrew said he had the charm but i didn't find there was any charm to him when i watch an 80s action film for example commando arnold schwarzenegger is oozing charm out of that in every line he's giving oh, every yeah. second line like, he's, he's no, a one-liner he's, he's no arnold schwarzenegger like no one-liners or anything the, to go with yeah no i i like you're you're comparing him, I guess, to the do- to the gold standard. <laughs> like, no, really? No, you are. Like, yeah, um, is, like name an eighties not gold standard then. Uh, Chuck Norris, Jean Claude Van Damme in the eighties. Really, Jean Claude Van Damme in the eighties, yeah. not gold standard. Really, I think Jean Claude Van Damme was like fantastic. Movies. I love, I love, I don't know. I love Jean Claude Van Damme movies, but he's not. He was never like a great. Actor, he oh, had a, certain a great actor. Sure. He had a, I think when it came to the nineties, there were certain movies where he, he became, he a, yeah, yeah, he became yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And 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 I think the reason is that John Claude Van Damme really cared a lot about being a good actor. Yeah, um, and, and and even today, like John Claude Van Damme has retroactively become my favorite eighties action star. Not for the work that he did during the eighties, but for the work now. he's done since. Yeah, and his self awareness and acknowledgement of yeah. that. And. I don't know, like, Cable is Cable is very much the straight man, but I feel like Brolin... But we already have Colossus. Yeah, but again, Colossus is, is not... Colossus is never going to fill that role in the narrative because he's never going to brush that strongly against Deadpool. He's I, never going to, like... You could never believe Colossus would want to kill Deadpool. 
I I I've I've I found there there was something um kind of again kind of not uh sort of less than compelling about I I guess we'll wrap up but less than compelling about Cable even though I liked him that um his kind of raison d'etre was to stop Firefist Russell, Russell yeah to stop from, the murder yeah. But it's like um, now, now, now Juggernaut has has entered. So I can't shoot um, <laughs> Russell because he's next to this guy. Um, and th- that was the way it was going to end. It's like I'll put a bullet in him and he'll be dead. Um, like, and I I don't want to be one of those kind of like everything wrong with. But but like like the. In 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 I guess a conventional story, it would have been at the very like eleventh hour when when Cable would have would have finally dawned that it is like okay maybe I don't absolutely have to, have to kill, kill him. I've realized I've realized now like I it, it, what they do in a conventional movie is that they draw some sort of um, similarity similarity between his own kid and 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 this and kid Russell that he's and now he's to, become yeah, yeah. he's become future that, fire fist exactly yeah and um but it, instead it's like okay all right like you you have to help me you have to help me um, kill this guy and it's like well, what if we don't kill him? It's like, I'll, I'll allow 30, it. 30 yeah. seconds. 30 seconds. Which, 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 which is a bit of a, a, a strange kind of departure from his, his, his yeah. motivation. It's like, he's like, 30 seconds is like, that's kind of a lifetime. Like, uh, for I, a guy that traveled back in time, we don't know how many years, but back in time to kill him. We're having a negotiation, but it, 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 feel, it feels a lot of the time like they've t- taken the whole kind of uh, rogue from 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 like, from beneath. Why did why did Cable what, go, go uh, yeah, to and, and his Cable, motives? Why did Cable go to Team Deadpool? I don't understand why he went to Team Deadpool because he could easily he, for some reason he could easily hunt Russell when he was by himself. He couldn't, but get he can't Juggernaut. find him when Juggernaut's around. No, he can find him. He knows exactly where he's going. He just can't kill him but because he, Juggernaut is apparently the, the, all you have to do is all you have to do is use that super gun and snipe him from a couple buildings yeah, away. And, and I, and I realize why that's not like a, a criticism yeah, of this movie because it's okay that it doesn't yeah, make why any can, sense. Why can't Deadpool put snipers on instead of parachuting in in high winds? That sort of stuff. But I mean, it's Deadpool. Okay, but... No, but it's the character. It, goes it doesn't matter. Character. It, it like, doesn't matter, though. Like it, Again, why can't, why can't Cable jump back an extra couple of weeks and kill him before he gets sent to the icebox? It'd be much easier to kill him. You can do all of these things, yeah. but that's not mm, the But that's movie. not the story. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and and Deadpool's quite quite right to point out that it's lazy writing, sort of jokingly, but it's lazy writing because it's necessary for mm. the story to unfold. I would, I, would, I would like to point out in a fun fact: Did you you notice how uh, Cable's gun uh, has the dial that went up? Yeah, yeah, it goes up to eleven. That's nice. I, and I, I noticed that because I saw the dial. And it was like it goes from it goes from zero to eleven. Yeah. It, was, it, it was great actually, and and I enjoyed all of that stuff actually when he like constructing the oh yeah the, the vision yeah, and stuff. Yeah. I also wished I wished his eye was like the eye more often because it went to normal and then it went to thing and then also they pointed out because winter soldier. Well, yeah. the whole thing is he has that design because he's got a virus, the legacy virus, which is like killing him slowly. It, that's why he's that. got all this metal <laughs> stuff. And it's just like they allude to it in literally one scene where he's looking at the mirror, looking at all the metal on his body, and like you can clearly tell that he's like horrified and is like clearly worried about the future. Yeah, and then it goes nowhere. 
Wait, but again, like but you there, have to tell there, a different story. There's no. a suggest, There is enough, I think, suggestion of depth around Cable. Yeah, like the he's like drinking beer on his own, like in a in yeah. a, a he hotel grabs the room. six pack. Yeah, he grabs yeah. even the bit where he grabs the six pack to go driving. Yeah, like I mean, there is something, and I, I think there's there's a, there's a distinct also lack of menace because like he he's not really kind of killing. Uh, innocence or anything. Yeah, no. he's not. He's not. But like he's the very character. single-minded. Like yeah. Cable was. That's the thing. Cable's very single-minded. Though, when, like even in the cartoons, he was actually quite menacing. Even though he was a good guy, he was quite crazy. Yeah. Am I the only one that watched the cartoon? No, I, I watched the cartoon. I wasn't the big fan of the X Men nineties cartoon. I was particularly compared to like, Batman the animated series or even Spider Man. I actually just saw Spider Man. I, I loved them all. Ah. <laughs> but um, so I guess I guess we'll sort of wrap up unless there's anything else anybody wants to talk about with regards mm-hmm. to the film that we. We haven't discussed already. We His daughter was named Hope, which I thought was a lovely nod to the comics. It is a character, the character of Hope Summers yes. um, again, who is the first mutant born after M Day tr- sent again yeah. forward in time with Cable because X Men comics can't be yeah. you know simpler straightforward. And no. They had M Day posters all over that school, which was quite nice. That yeah. was that was funny. It said M Day is here, where basically uh, mutants are destroyed. Like ninety percent of them are destroyed. This was, yeah, this was part of, and again, this is going to go down a very nerdy rabbit hole, but this was part of, like, the publishing line. So, in the early 2000s, you had writers, like we alluded to with Peter Milligan with X-Force and Ecstatics, but also, say, Grant Morrison with New Mm X-Men, basically going, well, what do you do with mutant metaphors in the 2000s when stuff like the civil rights era has maybe passed us by a little bit? How do we update everything is fine. And everything's fine, (laughs) yeah, because this was the 90s. It is cool. No, this is the end of the 90s. Yeah, we've we've beaten the communists. Yeah, everybody's (laughs) happy. Nobody hates us now. Yeah, it's all prosperous. There's Everything's warmed. Yeah. Everybody but, loves freedom. Yeah. Um, so you have this sort of... Exist- they hate our freedom. <laughs> Democracy, it's on top. But you have this sort of existential crisis in the comics of the turn of the millennium where you have stuff like New X-Men, which like has this recurring motif of like, you know, young suburban human kids appropriating mutant music and fashion mm. in order to seem cool. That was you a have, weird... That was but, weird. But you have, you have stuff like the next generation of mutants who've grown up under, like, the traditional X-Men, wondering how they make their mark on the world. And you have, like, this... This whole sort of stuff going on. It's a weird era. It, it's a great era. Oh, but it like, is. Mar- Marvel like looked at these comics and were like, what the hell are you guys smoking? Mutants are supposed to be feared and hated and like civil rights metaphors. So what they did was they basically killed off 90% of the mutant characters and were like, let's make them Israel. Yeah. Scarlet um, Witch basically went, there are no more no more mutants and 90% lost their powers. So welcome to comics with Darren and Graham. Hi. Um, sorry. But yeah, so, no, 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 welcome no. to speaking geek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I feel like that's that's yeah. really about wraps it up. But Graham, if people are looking for a bit more Graham, if they want a bit more of that speaking geek action, oh. where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Speaking Geek. It's uh, my podcast um, where I don't always hijack this one. Um, you, you can find me at this one. We are always glad to. Uh, have you can find me at Graham Geek Era on uh, Twitter. You can find me at Game Air as my gaming website, and I'm on Scanon.com and Movies.ie as well for all my film reviews. Um, I co-host the Two Fifty podcast. You may um, be familiar with it. You may have yeah, heard of it. Um, uh, with my, my host uh, Darren Mooney, it's uh, it's, What's he uh, like? it's weekly. <laughs> he's he's great. We have lots of um, exciting, sexy guests on. Um, uh, Darren 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 has a heart of gold. Um, <laughs> even when it doesn't melt for cocoa. <laughs> even when it doesn't melt for cocoa. <laughs> but that's um, for dick jokes. Yeah. The, so Listen I w- to each his own. 
I would encourage um, people to to check that out. Maybe leave a review, and yeah, like uh, perhaps a positive review, like five stars. <laughs> Actually, don't leave a just review if it's going to be a bad one. <laughs> um, just send us a message. Slide into our DMs, not in a weird way. Yeah. Um, why do you make it so hard, Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, I, uh. I, I did. I chuckled when that happened, and I appreciated that I heard a chuckle from the other end of the cinema that was Andrew also chuckling at that moment. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm quite happy that we are not so different. Yeah, you're we are not so different. There's, there's still, uh, still a record there. All right, so guys, um, I'm, I'm Darren. And you can follow me at Darren Arts Gormini. I write at the movie blog with a zero instead of an O. I've written a book, Opening the X Files, which is available where all good books are sold. Um, you can follow the 250 at the 250. We'll be back next week where we'll be talking about. Either Solo, on the chance that it gets into the 250, which is not going to happen, given it currently has a rating of 5.6, which is one single pip higher than both of the direct-to-video 80s Ewoks. So what's you can not look forward than? to that. What? Darren, what's it lower than? You, you, you mentioned it recently. What was it lower than? It's lower than Justice League. Yeah. It's, it's the same as Baywatch. Um, Good. No, wait, no, actually, no, it doesn't deserve that. Okay. It doesn't deserve Baywatch. Um, but yeah, the internet is... Graham's a... not ashamed of his love for Justice League. <laughs> it's not at love. All. I liked it. Yeah. It's oh, not yeah. love. Oh. Is it love that you're feeling? <laughs> is it me you're looking for? Um, yeah. And play, uh, lis- lis- listeners can play Darren's uh, plugs at half speed. <laughs> See if they can catch any of it. Um, and then, basically, so... Because that's not going to happen, we'll be back next week where myself and Andrew will be talking about Quentin Tarantino's Django Unchained. That's half a good film. People don't like Django. It's just the last half I don't like as much. I'm looking forward to seeing it and expressing my opinion. Whether whether that's for or against what what other guests have have so far said. Yeah. I've given my piece. It's interesting how sort of controversial, like even before we've recorded or discussed Django, we always get the same reaction. It's like... uh, Is it always the same reaction? It's generally the same reaction. Wow. But uh, you'll get to see how myself and Andrew react to that next week. Yeah, don't assume that we will feel the same way. Um, And you can hear us then next Saturday at 6pm. Until then, take it easy, guys. Bye. 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 See you, fans. Really? Yeah. That is I unbelievable. I more watching this than I did watching Coco. You cared more about Russell. I cared Coco. more about Peter than I cared about Coco. Oh no! You see, that's just a joke. No, that's the joke. That's his that existence. No, that can't. No, you can't care about Peter. Oh, I'm gonna. Breed's gonna have words. <laughs> Next time she sees you, better than Coco. I didn't say better than Coco. I said I felt more watching that is, this. That, but that's I, I the thing. That's the emotional... Sorry. That's the thing about Coco. Because you feel it. You feel it in your bones. I knew I was going to overreact for the sake of the podcast. But I also was careful to, to overreact away from the microphone <laughs> and still peek. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right.
Everywhere, do you say we belong to the land? 